Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the In The Pain Show presented by Ball Is Life. Episode 121. Big episode this week. We have a lot to talk about, so stick with us, guys. We appreciate your listening in and watching on YouTube. We're going to be talking about high school madness, March madness, and a bunch of other topics. Uh, we're going to go a little long. We have a lot to talk about, so Ani and Chelsea, I appreciate you guys coming on. Oh, no, for sure, man. This is another week, another episode. We got a whole lot to talk about. State championships, Lakers, uh, NCAA <laughs> tournament. I mean... We got everything. Let's try to avoid the Lakers for right now. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're just had on the sheet. <laughs> oh God! Yeah, let's avoid the Lakers. Not doing right the now. Lakers today, Ronnie. Enough is enough. Yeah, enough is enough. I can talk yeah. about them. Yeah, let's 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 jump in about the high school stuff. Obviously, Ani, you're in Louisville, so you made the trek to San Antonio to watch the UIL state championships. I was in Sacramento after watching the Pac-12, a little bit of the Pac-12 tournament. Uh, let's talk about uh, Duncanville. We're hopefully going to have Coach uh, PV up on the show as one of our guests today. Uh, they obviously ran the gauntlet, did it, won the 6-8 yeah. title. This is the fourth straight year, the number one team in Texas. Talk a little bit about their semifinal win and their championship win, Ani. Yeah, against the Tascacita, uh, Coach Martinez, uh, one of the best coaches in the state of Texas. And then he had uh, Chris Dyer. He used to be uh, the head coach at uh, DeSoto who won a couple state championships. Tassie was a tough one. It was like 31 to 9. Uh, they jumped at them early. Yeah. Uh, they spaced the floor out, burned some clock. Uh, Dunkfield really couldn't get to the paint, which is what they're really successful at. Their defense really generates their offense, especially in transition. And, uh, Man, I mean, Tascacia jumped on them early. We're making threes. I think they were seven for 11 from deep early on. And then, uh, you know, PV made a really good adjustment by going small. And, uh, the you know, as the Tascacia is trying to slow down, uh, slow the pace down, you know, the guards are pressure up on them, stealing the ball, getting transition buckets. And then all of a sudden, you know, a 22-point deficit becomes a 13-point at uh, – at halftime. And that's kind of unfamiliar territory for Duncanville because, you know, they've been winning for the most part. They've never really been down by double digits, especially 20, 20 points. But uh, came back second half, really got after it by four quarter. You know, they had a uh, they had a lead probably by, by six, seven points. It just kept open up from there. So that Tascacita game was a really good game. 
Uh, at first, you're wondering if this is the meltdown from Duncanville. You see guys kind of arguing with each other a little bit, but sure, this shows sure. that it shows that they've been there before. So, yeah. um, no, you know, no. that's that's a big thing. Then the championship game against McKinney wasn't as eventful. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, was as eventful like no. the semifinal game. Handling pretty good. It was like a they yeah. were up by twenty four at one point. Uh, sure. Third quarter, McKinney kind of made a run, yeah. but you know, Anthony Black, Ron Hall, and all those guys—they're just too much for them. And I mean, and Duncanville won a state title, and they didn't have their supposed starting point guard CJ Four for majority of the season, who's uh, yeah. committed to Northern Arizona. So. I mean that Dunkville team's loaded, uh, you know, yeah. and uh, that finals game was pretty clear cut. I left early. Anticlimactic, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anticlimactic, and obviously Dunkinville played the national schedule. Um, you know, we had investors interest in California of it because Centennial is a public school. Dunkinville's a public school. They obviously yeah. played in, in Thanksgiving Hoop Fest, and they were able to to you know, beat them, beat them in Sierra Canyon on back-to-back days. And that was basically been our two best teams in California for the last, you know, three or four years. So obviously I was in Sacramento and our, our guest Tarek Fado, the SoCal News, News Group was also there. And he's also covering uh, the Bruins beat, you know, for uh, the newspaper. So we're going to bring him on in a few minutes to talk about that. But yeah, you know, at, at the Golden One Center, we had, you know, Centennial. We thought people thought Centennial might roll Modesto Christian after they beat Campolindo. They beat Campolindo basically at the buzzer, uh, 63-60. Aiden Mahaney going to St. Mary's, missed a three-pointer. looked pretty good. I don't know if you saw the video, on it. But I didn't looked, see the video. It looked straight. I mean, bounced off the rim, click, click, it dropped. So everybody's like, well, Centennial's going to roll after. They they really rolled Sierra Canyon pretty good in the SoCal final. Obviously, it's always the NorCal versus SoCal. And we had, we had good fans, good fan support. You know, I want to ask you before we bring on Tark, how, how was the fans like – Was were they back in, in Moss? You know, I you know, because California hasn't had a state tournament in state final in two years. You know, what was the feel of the fans like there at the Alamo Dome? And were they kind of like it was it like a March Madness feel, or were people still like, okay, I'm you know, we're glad we're back, but let's take it easy here. It it, it had its March Madness feel the the later, like each yeah. day, like I wouldn't say each day, just yeah. Yeah, it definitely had its March Madness feel. I know what you mean. So we're we're gonna bring on Tarek here. Uh, Tarek, uh, like I said, was with me at the state finals. Tarek, are you there? Yes, sir. I am here. Uh, appreciate you jumping on. Thank you for uh, joining in the Paying Podcast, Tarek. Uh, let's just talk about your general observations of the state tournament. Obviously, we hadn't had one since two nineteen. You know what? What did you think about it? Obviously, the fans came back. It was a pretty good showing. Obviously, with Outgrove there in D two, there was a local team. So they were able to fill in and then get ready for Sierra Canyon girls and, and Centennial to watch them against Modesto Christian. Yeah, I had a lot of fun, right? I, I had been there the last two years, 2018, so 2019, and then uh, came back for the, the 2022 finals. And yeah, I just kind of felt like back at home a little bit, right? You're seeing familiar faces, you're seeing familiar teams, schools, coaches, and media members and so on. So the feel of it felt very normal and that that's always fun. So Initial thoughts are just, hey, great to be back. Good basketball, no problem. Sure. Smooth weekend. Can't argue with any of that. Yeah, definitely. It was a uh, pretty smooth. The fans seemed into it. You know, uh, the CIF announced that there was about 
5,500 on Friday and almost 8,000 on Saturday. Was that the range you thought as far as attendance, Tarek? And, and what did you take of the crowd's enthusiasm level? I, I thought the enthusiasm was really good. Again, I just think there was a thirst to see high-level basketball uh, again, right? You want to play games that there's high, there's high stakes, right? Championship, uh, state championship at, at all costs. So, yeah, I, I thought there was good excitement. I, I was talking with some other people. They always thought in the last two years it had been Sierra Canyon. And that's one of the anomalies about Sierra Canyon is here at home in Southern California, they're kind of like hated. And then they go on yeah. the road and everyone wants to watch them play. So that number probably would have gone up maybe five, 6,000, you know, something like yeah. that. If, right. if Sierra Canyon had made it. Other than that, I thought it was a great turnout and a really good response. Definitely. Um, were you surprised just in your highlight take that Modesto Christian gave Centennial a fairly good game? Obviously, they're one of the best public teams in the country. They're the best team in the state. I mean, they beat Sierra Canyon handily in the SoCal final. It wasn't even really a close game. And they were confident going in. So, were you know, what did you think about Modesto Christian? Oh, I thought they were great. I, I was sitting next to a young reporter from the Modesto B, and I, I was like, yeah, give me some insights. Like, oh, the school's like 200 kids. Uh, a lot of the guys play football. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah. I'm like, oh, okay, cool, man. We'll see how they match up. And I thought they played them real tough. And I think down the stretch, it was a really close game. I might, might have even been tied with three or four minutes to go, right? Yeah. And yeah. Corona Centennial hadn't been in a close game for for the previous 10 games, 20 plus point blowout. So you're thinking, wait a minute, Centennial yeah. hasn't been in a close game in a while. We could see Modesto Christian pull it off, but that's not what happened. Donovan Dent made some crush, uh, some crucial plays. Jared McCain hit a three and that was all she wrote, but very surprising and actually glad it was not a blowout. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So happy about that. Uh, so Tariq, I'm going to chime in a little bit. Sorry, yes, I got please. interrupted on my uh, connection, but happy to have you with us. Um, so what player impressed you the most um, in the Open Division boys game? Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I just, it's, uh, for me, it's always Donovan Dent. I, that, that's just mm -hmm. kind of like my, the guy I pick. I think so many times people think about Jared McCain, Devin Williams. Uh, and if you, if you were to ask me, hey, who's maybe impressed you throughout the whole year? Devin Williams has really gone from beginning of the year to now it's like, wait a minute, this guy's a real dude. Yeah. And so he's progressed so so much. And I watched them so much of the playoffs because they played a lot of my local teams, Harvard, Westlake, Sierra Canyon. So I saw them over and over okay. again. But Donovan Dent, man, <laughs> like just I don't think there's anybody that can stay in front of him. And so that's no. just a problem in basketball. And so yeah. that's why other guys Absolutely. are so good because he can make them better. So for me. Donovan Dent was the most impressive in that game. What would um and what's up, Tart? Um, what would you say? You know, for Sierra Kane, they got blown out pretty good uh, that game. What they've been having issues the whole season. Um, what led? What do you think led to them just kind of having this fallout? You know, especially oh, going man. towards the end of the season. Yeah. Um. Gosh, I don't know if I want to spill all the tea, but uh, yeah, I, it, you know, it has been. Uh, it has been a. And this is an Andre Chevalier word. Uh, he, he said they were very fractured. You know, that, that's just the, that's the word he used, a fractured team. Uh, I've, I've been around that program for almost eight years now. I, I've really, I really feel like I'm one of the closest people to that program. And I've seen the highs, I've seen the lows. And despite winning so many games, I would say this was a low season. The morale was low. The feel was low. Um, it, it was just very odd and you could tell there was not a lot of connection there. And when sure. times got tough, the really close teams like Corona Centennial, they come together. There were times where you saw with your own two eyes, you don't even have to be a basketball person. Sierra Canyon would splinter when some of those mm -hmm. tight moments came. 
And so um, last thing I'll say is they had beaten Harvard-Westlake. So they lost to Harvard-Westlake. A couple weeks later, they played Harvard-Westlake, beat them. And that's the most together they looked. And that was before they played Corona Centennial. So we're all thinking, hey, wait a minute. That Sierra Can team shows up. Maybe they make it to the state final. And that was not the case. So I, I just think a little maybe, – maybe the – the basic uh, too many cooks in the kitchen a little bit applied there for Sierra Canyon this season. Yeah. I, that was my next question is like, do you feel like they were just like uh, accumulating so much talent? It's kind of hard just to, you know, there's going to be egos that are involved, especially when you got a lot of guys that are division one talent, nationally ranked guys, and then kind of put them on the team and win. Um, that was my next question. It's like, you just feel like they were just like you said, too many cooks in the kitchen. Uh, right. Uh, yeah. I, I just think, <laughs> I just think to a certain point, if you watch Sierra Canyon, Andre Chevalier had no choice but to just play this helter-skelter approach, run mm-hmm. them like 32 minutes, one ball, and like 11 guys. I mean, what, what do you do? Mm-hmm. So you right. got to run them. And I just think sure. disciplined teams were able to pick that apart, and that showed later mm-hmm. in the season. So you would see like Isaiah Elohim would play like six, eight minutes. Wow. Like it, that, yeah. you're like, wait yeah. a minute, what? It, it's mind blowing. Like, look down. Like, wait, he, he only scored four points. Kajani Wright, guys, he would play a lot, but sometimes he'd only score like six points. Yeah. So mm-hmm. when you have egos like that at that level, and they're used to being the man, and they're not at least playing a lot, uh, not even getting double digits, it creates a default friction, and that's hard mm-hmm. to handle with teenagers. I mean, I got for sure these guys are still worrying about the math test tomorrow. You know, and there's just so much more <laughs> yeah. than hoops at that level. Right, and right. So it was just all together, man. It made it very, very difficult. Sure. Yeah, and I, I agree with your assessment on Donovan Dent. I got to see him when they came down to Duncanville uh, for Thanksgiving Hoop Fest. Really liked him. Really got to where he wanted to go to. Tough competitor. I thought, you know, he was a kid. That was kind of the X factor for that Corona team. And, um, yeah, man, I'm just glad that he's just continued to improve. And I think he's a kid that uh, – because he's a 2023, correct? No, he's senior. He's, he's a senior. senior. Yeah. But, yeah. but uh, yeah. definitely, I mean, I just think, like, Division One basketball player, I think he's going to help someone at the next level. I, I really like uh, just watching him play. Yeah, there's nothing not to like about Donovan Dent. <laughs> <laughs> Tark, let's switch over to the positives of Sierra Cam, the girls' team. Sure, they lost sure. in – the Southern section final and then bounce back in the regional. Um, you know, talk a little bit about that. Obviously, a lot of people know who Juju Watkins is. She's the best player in the state. Maybe she's the best player in the country. Talk about your impressions of her having to watch her a bit besides the state championship game, then just putting on the show in the state championship game. Yeah, I mean, her first points were NBA range, pull-up, transition, three-ball, like nothing but, you know, it's like, okay, here we go. And that that was kind of the – that was my my report, so to speak, after the game. You know, my lead for the story was move over, boys. Like that, that you know what I'm saying? Everyone yeah. talks about the boys' team when it comes to Sierra right. Canyon. The right. girls' team has been just as good. Alicia Kamaki, the coach, five titles in ten years. It's like no one's done that. She's unbelievable. Yeah. So – that sure. team is has its superstardom in its own right, and Juju Watkins just elevates the whole thing. She's so yeah. fun to watch, and you know that game w- was really lobsided, but sure. people were still so engaged because of how great she is. You know, most Her times you watch level. a lobsided game and you're like, okay, like I'm gonna go get some popcorn or something. But no, it's like people wanted to hang out and watch her. So very impressive, and they deserve all the credit. In fact, in the press conference, I asked specifically. Uh, hey, guys, Sierra Canyon, we always think boys, but here you guys are 
you're the, you know, what do you have to say? Do you do you are you upset that they always get more shine? Is there oh, a trip right. on your shoulder? I, I asked them and yeah, and yeah, the girls, know. the girls wanted, I think like uh McKinley Randolph like wanted to say something. I think yeah. Irene, they wanted to say something, but they kind of they left it to Coach Kamaki and yeah, you know, she had a very like PR answer, but it, it, all that to say, it was it was very uh, very good, and and they were great in in their victory. Yeah, you know, um, what is, you know, speaking of them, you know, what is their next step for Juju? I mean, mm. you know, obviously, they come back and win it again. Is she the best player in the country? Like, is she gonna, <laughs> you know, she's just gonna sign nil deals and hang out? You know, you just like, where does this go for this young lady? She's six one six two. Handles the ball like a guard, shoots it as quick as anybody on the court. It's it's like, what do you envision for her, uh, Tart? Yeah, you know, it's a good question, and I'm just I'm just kind of thinking out loud here. You know, I, I'm hypothetically, I'm like, she could really trailblaze. I, I, you know, we think about boys, and they have like the overtime elite, like G League yeah. option, or like they reclassify. There's right. so many things boys can do when they're really like at that next level. Well, she's yeah. ready to go like right now. Like she could probably help some D1 programs like today. Yeah. Um, and so I don't know if like, obviously she's going to, I would assume she's going to finish high school and stuff like that. But yeah. does she go to call? I don't even know like what the WNBA rules are. Could she go to college for one year and then go to the WNBA? Like, No. Okay. Yeah. I don't know what they are, but maybe, yeah, so she, the maybe she's an example that like changes that. I, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Well, the WNBA basically operates on an age kind of restriction. So technically, you know, you don't qualify until you're in like your fourth year when you hit that, you know, 22, wow. you know. Wow. So sometimes now with the age difference, there's, you know, a couple of juniors that would finish their junior season and in the summer they would turn 22. So they would qualify. But so you don't have to really have your degree. But sure. based on the age limit, it's like you should be getting your degree by at this point. So that's kind of okay. when you're able to enter the draft. Wow. So, yeah, the See, WBA I didn't know is, that. Wow. Yeah. See, so that, she, what I'm, so what I'm saying, yeah. like, she could maybe, like, I don't know if they yeah, change I mean, the rules for her because she's a star. Like, they might. No, absolutely. That and, and people, needs her. Like, and why people not? have raised, yeah, people have raised, you know, that question kind of recently with some of the Division One, you know, sophomores that we have. We have Caitlin Clark that we talked about, you know, Ronnie previously on the show. Um, yeah. Some of these girls that are, you know, you look at them and you kind of think maybe they're generational or maybe they're ready for the WNBA right away. And, um, it, unfortunately, the WNBA is not ready for them, and it's yeah. not even really from a talent standpoint, but just the structure. And just speaking of like the overtime elite and stuff, that's what the women's game is missing. We don't have those developmental leagues, those developmental, you know, routes to kind of navigate to prepare for the WNBA, which is kind of why you see a lot of players having to go overseas and do other things because really there's just nowhere to go. If you can't be on the WNBA, 12 teams, 12 girls. 144 players then what yeah, yeah. So, yeah no, that's great insight yeah i did not know that kind of remind that kind of sounds like baseball ronnie like you either yeah. like well not even you don't even have that choice you have to go for like three years before you can do anything mm -hmm. after wow yeah. okay yeah. kind of like a, the nfl you know, nfl you, nfl yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. you have okay. to have three years out but i think the nfl is more understandable because it's like it's grown men kind yeah, of yeah that's like, true you know, so you're probably 19 year olds out there yeah absolutely you know <laughs> yeah but, Tarek, let's switch gears now. Um, obviously, the NCAA tournament, March Madness, you enjoy mm. it. Every, all of us enjoy it. We're all well-versed in that. Um, you covered the Bruins, so you're going to be heading to the East region. You know, what's your high-take line there on 
with a seed they got, obviously the Bruins got a four in the East. Was that kind of what you expected them to get a four or were you surprised they didn't get a higher seed? You know, what's your high high line take on the Bruins? Yeah, I, I think four was about right. Maybe a three, you know, but I, I yeah. just, and, and you're, you're probably not going to like this answer, but you know, it's all Cronin. The guys are talking about like they themselves proved like seating doesn't mean squat. Like that that's yeah. the mentality <laughs> that they're coming in with. And Cronin was even like, if you told me I had a couple guys injured and I was a number one seed, I would trade it for a four seed being healthy. Like he just doesn't care. So, um, I, I, you know, again, I've been on the beat for two years and that's what I've experienced is like anybody can beat anybody. So for me, they're, you know, now they don't have a play in game. That's a step up for them. They had, they went from the first four to the final four last year. So for them, they're like, they're loving it. And the whole team comes back, you know, Plus, uh, plus Peyton Watson for the most part, no Mac Etienne. But anyway, so I think they have a favorable matchup in Akron. You know, I think St. Mary's is, is going to be tough, but yeah. I, I see UCLA winning through the weekend, right? Going to the Sweet 16. So we'll see. Do you do you see uh, UCLA potentially make it to the uh, Elite Eight? You know, I'll, you know, for the most part, I don't see it. Yeah, I, I, I know. Uh, I don't see it. I, I see them getting through the weekend. Um, and, and, and maybe the sweet 16s it for them. I, I don't know. Um, of course, none of us know, but I don't see it. I, I don't see like another final four run. You asked me about the elite eight. Okay. I could see that more, but mm-hmm. I don't know if there's another deep run in UCLA. I don't know why I'm getting that feeling. Certainly as I cover them and I travel with them, it would be fun if they kept going through personally, <laughs> like that's my selfish prayer. But, uh, yeah, when, like looking at the team, I don't know. I, I just think it's a very convoluted bracket. I, I really think anyone can beat anyone this year. How many, I don't know if there was like a record for how many number one, like the, the top five was so every week, it was just new teams, different teams. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of tells me that anybody can get anybody. Yeah. Like we had that one Saturday where the top six teams all lost. There you go. Um, and and it's never happened before either. <laughs> right. So like talk about Payne Watson. He's like a very mm. interesting player, right? You, you see him in draft boards, even though he's averaging like what, three points, three rebounds a game. But, you know, he comes along, you know, has those games where he shows flashes. How big would he have to be for UCLA to get a deep run? Yeah, you know, that's that's the interesting and, and Ronnie will Ronnie will get a kick out of this because yeah, it's I'm one of the rare beat guys. Like I do high school and college. So yeah. okay, I didn't cover Peyton Watson a whole lot, but I saw him plenty. All these guys on this roster, if you would have told me Jaime Hawkins from Camarillo was like the go-to guy on a final four run, like what? No, man, right. no way. Yeah. You know, so I've seen all these guys develop. Peyton Watson, um, yeah, you know, I do see him on the draft board still, and I think so many people scratch their heads because when they think about these McDonald's All-American freshmen, they're thinking like, oh, come in, average like 8 to 12, maybe more points a game. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. Like sometimes he barely plays. So I, I think it's it's tough. It's tough for him to crack the rotation sometimes, and it's tough for him to stay on the floor sometimes because of what Mick Cronin mm-hmm. wants out of him. And so that's a challenge. However, I will say he's hands down their most athletic and dynamic player. So, you know, he, he'll, he's good, even though it's like a late rotation, he'll, he'll, he'll help and block a shot off the backboard and everyone goes nuts. Right. Or he'll go by someone and dunk it. So he's had these flashes, but I just don't know what kind of role he's going to have in this run. Cause I've seen him in the really, really tight games. He doesn't play a whole lot. So I don't know how much he's going to play in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Go ahead, Chappie. Um, well, sorry. Okay. So Mountain West got four teams in, um, West coast conference got three 
Pac-12 three. What do you think of that and the recruiting um, that those conferences have made, you know, kind of uh, while the bottom of the Pac-12 has struggled? Like, what's yeah. your opinion on that? Yeah, good, like, good for them. You know, I, I, I saw an interview with Drew Timmy from Gonzaga, and he goes – he said he was like sweating San Francisco or something like that. Like, man, I, I think that, and he's like, I think it's great that they got in. Now we have the same amount of teams in the national, in the national tournament than, um, than, than the, the, the same amount as a PAC 12. Sure. So again, the pack it's, it's really like this roller coaster for the PAC 12. I think last year, everyone was like, Oh, they're underrated. And they had all these teams make these great runs. And now it's yeah. only three teams are in. So like, what is the PAC 12? That's like the spectrum from one side to the other in one year. So I think when the other conferences are getting in, it's, it's great for those conferences. Uh, despite what anyone might think, I think the, the Pac-12 is always going to be a power five conference. So that's not going to yeah. go. That's not going to go away, unfortunately, or fortunately, however you want to look at it. So I think the other conferences getting teams in good for them. I'm excited because, you know, I'm a Mountain West girl, um, San Diego State alum. So, you know, I'm happy to see us get love. I feel like we always have competitive you know, kind of teams that are right on the bubble, maybe last four in, you know, San Diego State, my school has made a lot of noise in the tournament, um, especially under Coach Fish, who obviously, you know, retired um, a couple years back. And we have Dutch now kind of um, at the helm of things. But, you know, I, I always think it's good for that conference. There's a lot of talent. Um, and to see, you know, us have so many teams. Um, I don't know the last time the Mount West had four teams um, in. So, you know, progress and good for the conference for sure. You know, would you say, because we talk about how open uh, the NCAA tournament is, like, we don't know, like, we're going to, and every year is like that, but this year I think it's more open. Would you say outside of, like, teams that are, like, the one, two, three seed, like, anywhere after that, there really aren't any upsets? Yeah, I, I'll be honest with you. I haven't like scoured the bracket all that much. Uh, yeah, I'm just like, like I'm over here writing up like all CIF stuff, like for the for yeah. the high schools, and now I'm like writing the UCLA stuff. So I have not scoured the bracket too much. So I don't know if I can answer that question. But I, like I said earlier, I just think kind of like what we were talking about when the top six seeds all fall on one day or whatever the stat was. Mm -hmm. I just think that's a little bit of a forecast. Like anybody can get anybody. We might have the most upsets ever or something. I don't know. We, we just have to wait and see, but it wouldn't surprise me if it was just this bracket buster type year for everybody. Yeah. So Tarek, you're going to Portland. Uh, how often you've been to Portland and are you looking forward to, to maybe getting to that East region and, and, and uh, getting out there and seeing yeah. what seeing the other teams. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, only been to Portland one time uh, and I was in high school, so I really don't remember much uh, cause it was just not that I just wasn't thinking about the city at the time. And now, uh, yeah, just going to go and, and see how UCLA matches up. I mean, I, I'm excited to get there. There's like a huge uh, schedule of being able to watch the teams practice, right? Like you get to, sure. you get to watch the teams practice. You get to go to all their press conferences and stuff like that. So get a feel. That'll be my first time last year. Uh, I did not get to go to the Indianapolis like bubble, so to speak. Sure. So we had a, our USC beat writer kind of like was on double duty because everything was in one mm. place. And so I was sure. on the high school stuff because all the sports were going on at one time. So this time, I think USC, if I'm not mistaken, is in South Carolina. So yeah. I'm going to go to Portland and looking forward to it. Going to have some fun. And that's about it. I mean, we'll just see how it goes. Yeah, I think you'll get to go to Philly. I think they'll make it past the first two rounds, too. Agreed. So we'll see you in Philly, and that's where it'll get tough for the Bruins. So we appreciate Tark. Mm -hmm. We appreciate you coming on, giving us the insight, and we'll, we'll talk to you down the road. 
Thanks, guys. Take care. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Take care. Yeah, so you see that, you know, Tarek is kind of doing double duty, and I know that he covering the Bruins, but I, I think he's being honest. Outside of, you know, the few top seeds, guys, I, I don't think people know. You know, we would want to try to yeah. guess and, 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 and make good picks. And like you said, he's covering the high school stuff, and and I think the Bruins are going to make it to the second to the second thing. I think they're just too talented, and they, right. they got that experience. That you know, the the team I'm worried about is for the Pac-10s, like USC. How good is the third team in the Pac, Pac, Pac-12? You know, it it mm. they're they're they have their days, they have their moments. Even even Arizona, they lost a a, a conference game on the on the road, and we'll talk about the Wildcats here in a little while. Like they looked. You know, times they look good, and then at times they look very average. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it it's very interesting. And I went to the Pac-12 game on Thursday. It was the the morning game, and and Kerr got hurt. And I go, man, this is going to be tough for them. So then they and I went to their practice at Bishop Gorman on on Wednesday, and it was just so t- they were just running everything so tight. Their sets are tight, and I don't mind that because that's how uh, Tommy Lloyd has won with that team. With their, they go inside. And I said, man, these – I was coming with a couple of people. I was like, man, this is a really type shit they run. And mm-hmm. they run their sets and they want to get it inside. And I was like, I wonder if they played a little bit more open. How would it be? More loose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little more loose. Sure enough, Kurt gets hurt on Thursday morning. So Dale and Terry moves to the point, And now they just run – now they're running. <laughs> right. Kind of opened up everything for them. So it would be very interesting to see if, when Kurt comes back, if he goes back to the point and Terry slides to the two and the three – or do they kind of stay with the momentum they have now? Um, uh, you know, Ani, were you able to watch that a little bit of that Pac-12 tournament and then see the uh, highlights of the championship? Yeah, the I did. When, uh, well, it, it's funny when you talk about Dale and Terry because being at the point, because I know in high school that was kind of primarily what they were uh, selling selling him as. So when Kerr got hurt and he got in, it was just I, – I got to – seeing like NBA top 100 camp, but I got to see a couple of games and just sure. seeing how loose he was and like seeing him just kind of play more free and seeing them get up and down. Um, yeah. And even still showing their inside presence with Isaiah Mobley, you, you, you know, when they're clicking, they're really good. I got to see a little bit of uh, the PAC 12 uh, games. Like sure. you said, UCLA just so talented. I don't see like, I know that St. Mary's game, assuming that they do win, that's going to be a really tough one. Cause they really spaced the floor. I mean, they beat Gonzaga, uh, yeah. You know, so I mean, that's gonna be a tough one. But like you said, like they're really talented. I mean, we talk about Johnny, uh, uh, Hawkes, Tiger Campbell. I mean, they're they're just loaded. But I I got I got to see UCLA some. I mean, they're really talented. Just be interesting to see how they kind of just advance in the tournament because they're another team just like Arizona. Well, they're different from Arizona. I think when there's trouble, they know because they're experienced. They know how to fight through it, which I think allowed the get to the sweet 16 potentially the lead eight whereas like arizona um you know like we talked you talked about earlier when when you know adversity hits they uh they really seem to struggle it's not like you go from a team making a 10-0 run and then they stop it they can go a 10-0 run they go be a 16 and 2 run <laughs> you know yeah. on arizona so mm-hmm. that's just kind of my thoughts on it yeah i talked to chelsea about that we were t- talking about the tournament uh, last weekend and offline, and I was like, Arizona again. This is what the lineup they had before the injury. It was like they get down eight or ten, they start jacking threes, they panic a little bit, mm-hmm. you know. So again, maybe they were down twelve or 
13 against UCLA, maybe with, with Terry. And, and he's just a loose kind of guy. And, like, people rally to him. He has a great, you know, uh, personality off the court. I've gotten to know him well over time. And is they're just loose. He's one of the – again, he's one of the most magnetic players in, in, in all the tournament. If you're 6'7", six, 6'8", six, you can handle the ball, right. find guys, willing to find guys. People like that. So we'll, we'll talk about that bracket in the Pac-12. Chelsea, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about – San Diego State. You know, what did you what do you think of them in their matchup in the 89? What do you think is realistic for them? I, I know Matt Bradley's had a great year. He's obviously come over from Cal and 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 Dutch, like you said, has built that team. They've gotten some 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 uh transfer portal guys and they they have a good system and a good program. So what do you think about their game? Uh you know, honestly, I was a little bit disappointed, you know, with their seeding. I thought, okay. you know, they lost in the Mountain West Conference Championship game. Um, by a possession to, you know, Boise. Uh, but we beat Colorado State uh, twice, you know, who was, I think, ranked the highest in the Mount West at the time, maybe 23rd right. or 24, you know, kind of towards the end of it. So, um, you know, I guess that, you know, not finishing the conference tournament um, loss kind of, you know, kept them at an eight seed, which is usually right where they usually are. You know, San Diego State is always on pace to be in the middle. Everybody knows that they're a defensive-minded team. They're going to come. They're going to be athletic. They're going to sit in a stance. Um, The struggle that we've always had, even though I love Matt Bradley, he's, you know, a new addition to the team or whatever, but it's always been shooting. It's always been San Diego State has a lot of athletes, and they're going to play defense, and they're going to out-athlete you, and how are they shooting on this day? If they're shooting really good and the defense is going, then boom, they can beat anybody. But on the days that they're not shooting, you know, and they're sitting down and they're hopefully getting stops. Um, the problem I just feel in the past that we've had, we just hadn't had enough scoring. So, you yeah. know, I'm excited that we get another opportunity. Um, Brian Dutcher is a friend of mine, a guy that was, you know, uh, Steve Fisher's assistant when I was actually yeah. a student at San Diego State in 2010, 2013. Um, so we're just happy that they're back. This is, I think, his, I don't want to say maybe fifth season coaching now and he's only missed the tournament once so we're on pace we're going to make some noise um you know we're going to represent the mountain west conference well like we always do uh last year we had an early upset against syracuse um so i'm excited to see if we can you know make a little bit of a push um and be a sleeper team so yeah yeah the the 8-1 against kansas would be a hell of a game if they get by creighton and you know speaking of the mountain west and and Tarek mentioned it a bit a bit with the West Coast Conference, WCC. I just think the exposure that Gonzaga's given them has helped that conference a lot. And yeah. like you said, I think mm-hmm. um, what Fisher did over time uh, helped that con- conference mean the Mountain West a lot. You know, I wanted to uh, bring that up because we have a situation with, with LSU that's similar to something Coach Fisher went through. Um, and mm. I want to ask you this, Ani. Coach Fisher was a, a, at Michigan – and they had a hell of a team. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then Bo Schemberger's like, I want a Michigan man. He, I don't care if he's going, you know, if he's, if if, if uh, Bill Frieder's leaving, he ain't coaching this tournament. He's out. <laughs> Look, he's out. <laughs> so he, he, they got rid of him right before the start of the tournament, and wow. they were expected to do mm-hmm. really well. And then Fisher was the assistant, so he comes in and they win the national title. So obviously, I I, I know you three don't think LSU's going to win the national title, but Ani, what do you think LSU's going to do? <laughs> Wade is out. It's like you have a new coach right when the tournament starts. They have a pretty good team. The SEC is really tough. The teams beat up on each other, but like they got some players, you know. But now you does this does this fire them up or do they just tank? Like, oh man, this Will Wade's gone. 
Uh, you know what? That's a that's an interesting question. I don't really know. Uh, I like I I've, I've been around like so I know Nickelberry. Uh, yeah. me and him uh talked uh actually yesterday. Some so like he says they're pretty confident. They want to go out and win. Obviously, a lot of those kids will. You know, will as a a recruit as a head coach, he's very you know he likes to really recruit the guys. He talks to guys. He builds relationships. He's a big relationship guy with his players. So I know that did hurt. But I think the guys are motivated to play. Uh, like you said, I don't see them uh, winning a national championship or even making a um, final four run. But the talent, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, Tyree Eason, uh, yeah. Gaines is good. Darius Days, uh, Efton Reed, you know, he comes in and he provides some interior presence. Um, you know, they're going to be a, a team that can, you know, win a few games potentially. But you know, right now, you know, when I talk to Nickel Bear, he says that they seem pretty motivated. Uh, talk to uh, Taz Mitchell too. He seems like the guys are, you know, they want they want to get at it. Um, and you know, like I think last year they lost to Michigan in the Sweet Sixteen, I believe. It was a fairly close game. So you know, there's some motivation there, just to, you know, kind of prove themselves and, and get back to that point. But yeah. I think it'll be tough. I just I, they're talented, and when they're clicking, you know. I mean, especially defensively, they're like the number one defense at one point, NCAA. So, like, when they're clicking, they're, they're, they're good, but it's going to be tough. I mean, they got a really tough road. Yeah, it's just very interesting that he gets fired like that and, and Christian Dawkins basically has to report to, to prison right around the six. It's very ironic. And here comes Sean Miller. His old team is now number one. Yeah. Sean Miller is going on TV saying Arizona's going to win it all. Will Wade gets fired, and Sean and Christian Dawkins is going to jail right around the same time. And it's just like, wow, all the things that happened with the corruption scandal happening at the same time. And and I think Christian Dawkins had a couple weeks ago had tried to get a motion through his lawyer to have like a retrial because the federal investigator or the undercover, as we call him, was like spending money at a Vegas casino when he was trying to you know investigate these guys, and it's just. Wow, what just like a crazy sequence of events, and 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 you just never know. Like you mentioned, I have some vested interest in Alex a little bit because Tari is from grew up in in California, and then right. he moved to Washington where he mm-hmm. went to high school, and then they also have a Bishop Gorman player, uh, Milwani Wilkinson, who was a JV yeah. player most yeah. of his career, and then mm-hmm. he finally got to work on the perimeter skills, and like he's a pretty good player down there so supreme athlete for sure yeah yeah Milani's like a supreme athlete and he's and he's barely learning the game he's getting better all the time obviously he's an sec player so there's a lot of teams like that wanted to get your guys take as we mentioned the amount of teams in from from the power conferences or from the best conferences the big 10 nine 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 teams big east big 12 sec six that sounds about right acc five our Mountain West four, WCC and Pac three, and American and the A10 two. Uh, Chelsea, you know, we talked a little bit about the Big Ten. We talked about some of their teams. We we know I mean, nine teams are are they this are they are any of those teams going to get to the final four? <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to say no, you know, yeah. <laughs> but I, you know the, the the conference it's tough, and when you look at their strength of schedules and who they're playing, I think. Yeah it's deservingly so because of the schedules, sure. you know, sometimes you maybe not, you don't have the, you know, the best record in the win loss column, but you're sure. playing tough competition. And that's basically why they had so many teams in. Um, yeah. I don't, I would say no, if I had to guess who's going to be the national champion, I have my predictions. It's kind of a, uh, 
I have my predictions, but I'm going to say no. Yeah. Well, they got the – they're in the 6-11 against Colorado State. We mentioned Colorado State earlier. I seen Michigan. I was telling Chelsea did live. They just – they were – I know. Dumb. Michigan – but, you know, because Michigan it, – it's crazy because I, I got the vibe that they didn't even feel like they were going to be dancing. You right. Know, I follow them on social media. No, I follow them on social media. I have a kid that, you know, who went to high school in Vegas and, and Frankie. So I, I kind of follow them and I want to, you know, see how he's doing, see if they're doing well. And to me, they just kind of seem shocked that they were dancing. They know they had kind of a disappointing, you know, season overall. I believe they started maybe ranked fourth in the country right. when, when, when the season started. And, you know, they dropped all the way out of the top 25 and, you know, um, just kind of were disappointing to the end. And, you know, what happened with Juwan Howard at the end of the season yeah. and him not coaching, so he wasn't available. Um, so I got the vibe that, you know, they're just kind of happy to be here and maybe it's a little rejuvenating. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's maybe like, it's hey, not so much pressure. You know, yeah. this is the situation we're in. Like, it's 0-0 zero, zero now. It doesn't matter kind of what happened. Now let's get it. So, yeah. That's I my think take. the pressure is off him a little bit too, like you said. I just right. think overall. Their foot speed, all the Big Ten foot speed. I'm like, when's this team? When's the last time a team with slow split speed, yeah. a grinded out team has won the whole thing? I just can't remember. Yeah, that's that'd, that'd be early 2000s type situation. Yeah. yeah, maybe a little bit with um, yeah, I can't think of a situation like that of a team that's just kind of like a grinded out team that won the whole thing. You know? Yeah. Uh, I think Indiana, like you said, went to that to the final that year. Uh, Ani, but Maryland beat them after mm-hmm. they beat Duke. Uh, after Maryland had had lost in the semifinals the year before, but right. yeah, you know, it'd be yeah. very, they go, oh, and <laughs> they, I, when I saw nine, I'll say, for reals, like, they're gonna yeah, nine, I was even surprised I saw Michigan in there. Cause I was like, yeah, I, yeah. I was Michigan underachieved. Unfortunately, they underachieved, but like I said, this is their second chance to do a little something, make a little noise at the end. If they can win a game, maybe two, then yeah. that, I think that will make the season be decent. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah, they Purdue got a three, and then you know a lot of people are saying them versus Kentucky. You know, what's your guys' take on Kentucky and that East bracket that we talked about? Obviously, Baylor is the number one seed, and then you got Kentucky. Some people are, if people are not picking Arizona, the guys who follow national college basketball on a daily basis, if they're not picking Arizona, they're picking Kentucky. Why is yeah. that? Why? What do you guys see there? Can Purdue give them a good game in the eight, or or is Baylor gonna go go through? I think Kentucky. They just. It's hard to blow them out. Like, every game I've seen, they just stay steady. Like, you know, even when I saw them play, even the games that they lost, it's like you think that team's pulling away, then they come back. They just know how to always stay in games. And, uh, like, with Oscar Suive, uh Sabir Wheeler, you got some guys that are older. You know, it's not the yeah. typical Kentucky team with a bunch of freshmen that are leading the charge. You got some older guys. And I think Coach Cal does a good job, you know, getting the guys – well, and I think the guys do a good job just following the game plan to just staying solid. Um, and they're just a team why people feel like they, they'll make it out in that, in that division just because they just – they're just so – they're so consistent. You know what they're going to bring every time, even though they may lose a game. But, you know, you never seen like a 10- or 12-point loss. It's always like right in there. And I think those, they'll click at the end. I think the guys are going to come together. And uh, But, you know, I'm a Texas guy. Uh, yeah. I got mm-hmm. Baylor. Uh, <laughs> I like Baylor. I like the way they play. Oh, I, I love the way they play. And uh, guys like uh, Sohan, who's really been coming along, and, um, you know, the guard play with Akinjo. Um, I, I think Baylor's really, really good defensively. They're really, t- they're really mm-hmm. solid. But I could definitely – I think it's either Baylor or Kentucky that makes it out. Sure. Yeah, and, and just to piggyback on you a little bit, Arnie, with Kentucky, like I, I like the point that you made just about the leadership that they have this year. 
I, I never bet on Kentucky when they have a whole bunch of freshmen, a lot of, you know, one and done, you know, people that are just going to be here, you know, this season and on the next. They finally have, you need some experience to make deep runs in this tournament and even to win. And I think Calipari knows that. I mean, what he has won championship, but he's had some incredibly, incredibly talented rosters. And, you know, credit to him, he makes it work at least for the sake of getting to the tournament and, you know, making deep runs. But I always think that that's their, their shortcoming. In the end, is sometimes just not having that leadership when things aren't right. going great and, you know, the game's a little frazzled and emotions and stuff are high just to have those people that can say, hey, hold on and calm things down. Right. Um, that makes the difference. But I really, really like Baylor. Um, I, they won the national championship last year, you know, and they did it off of defense. You know, Davion Mitchell's gone now, but they have a lot of players that play the same way, just with the same mentality and hustle. So I, I'm always going to lean on a team that, plays better on the defensive end than anything because right. the, the tournament is tricky and you can't count on waking up and, you know, making a whole bunch of shots every single game, you know, everybody would like to, but the defense can be a constant no matter what you bring in the energy and the effort. If you can get stops, then, you know, anything could happen. Yeah. No, 100%. Yeah. Ani wanted to talk to you real quick about, like you said, Baylor, what's the, what's the deal? If you have any insight, I think it affects that, could be a monster eight game against Kentucky's LJ Cryer's foot is is he okay is that overblown is he is he really hurt how, how hurt is LJ Cryer yeah I mean from what I got I even uh he's hurt uh and uh LJ you know I, I know him since he was like 12 years old so uh always kind of had a little issues with the with his foot uh okay. and stuff like that so when I heard about the injury I was like yeah that, that's always kind of been some, a little bit of a lingering deal I think he should be good uh sometime in the, during the tournament, but that is a, that's a huge deal. I mean, I, at one point he was leading them in scoring. So, uh, you know, like uh, just a, you know, a kid that can really make shots from deep, can get his own shot off, you know, off the bounce. And, you know, he was like that guy with a Ken Joe, uh, I think flag flagler, that's uh, the kid. And then uh, LJ, that just made uh, Baylor so deadly offensively. And like Chelsea said, defensively, they're just so good too. Um, you know, they just had that balance that, uh, just makes them tough. And then you can kind of see the lack of presence of LJ Cryer being there. You know, it's, it's resulted in some losses in the big 12. Gotcha. And they, they still got a number one seed with the, with the uh, six losses, as you said. So that, that East region, I think, like you guys said, boils down to them and Baylor. I doubt Purdue's going to get through as a three seed. I, I no. see Purdue's best teams with Conzo Martin, Big dog Glenn Robinson. I'm like, eh. and I still choose the. I chose against them every time. I remember my bracket. I was like, I'm not going to choose them. To go to the final four, and they haven't per- made it yet. Purdue might get, get stung by Virginia Tech. They, I think yeah, Virginia Tech is all right now. You know, they just beat Duke in the ACC tournament, and yeah. you know they play really hard. And you know, I, I think that people can't think Purdue's just going to get past that game. I see right. the first game because I have Virginia. Right. Me too. I, I have Virginia Tech, Tech being Texas. I have Virginia Tech being Texas oh, okay. and then, you know, potentially getting to the Sweet 16. That's a Sweet 16 pick I have. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'm, with you. I'm with you there. Yeah, you guys are on that one. Let's let's move over to the West. Obviously, Gonzaga is the number one seed. Um, you know, we talked about them. You know, obviously, they've been right on the cusp. Duke is also in that, in that bracket and and we saw the AC that Mike Shashevsky's last game. North Carolina didn't look like they were going to get in in the tournament at that time. <laughs> right. Not <laughs> of them. I think you know, uh, Chelsea. That's your old school. Uh, our guest Chloe Wells, who we're going to talk a little bit about 
in her experiences in Russia, she went to Duke, played ball at Duke. So you guys have some tie there to Duke. Uh, we all know Duke. Obviously, we all know my Coach K is like he's been a, such a staple of the sport for so long. Absolutely. Uh, and some people think they're really talented, but they really haven't put it together. Like they're talented offensively. I don't know if they get the stops they need. Obviously, Gonzaga may not be as good as last year, but like it may not matter. The field may not be as good, or people are saying they're not as good. Can mm -hmm. any is there any other team there, or or should we be looking at a Duke versus Gonzaga Elite Eight matchup? Mm -hmm. uh, I have my sleeper team is Texas Tech. I'm being yeah. honest. I told you I like defense, and sure. I think they get after it and. All the other stuff, you know, with Duke, it really goes through their offense and how they're shooting and playing that, and playing well that day. Their their defense is the inconsistency, um, yeah. you know, just kind of from what I've seen. Um, so I have Texas Tech be creeping in there, and I, it would not shock me if they got past Duke. Being honest, and I also think it's super funny that the committee just loves to put like Duke and Michigan State in the same like bracket like every year. Right. This is like <laughs> this, we want Duke and Michigan State no matter what. Like it's like a committee like unwritten rule. If both of them are in the tournament, they're gonna play each other. Yeah. So yeah. that's kind of funny. Um, but I get I have Duke getting past Michigan State, but I have them maybe not getting past Texas Tech. So wow. Yeah, Texas Tech yes. is a team that I know a little bit about. Like you said, they they play a really good D. That you know, there is their offense going to be on. That's the same thing with Alabama. Alabama really didn't have yeah like, the, the, the season they wanted. You know, with my guy Jaden Shackelford down there, California guy. Yeah. You know, they so inconsistent, and it's like ah. mm -hmm. now they. I've seen some of their SEC games, and it's really high level games, but maybe they can put a run. All they need to do is get hot. Like that's all it's going to that, be. That's literally level. it. Right. Yeah, they're they talented shoot, enough. Yeah, they mm -hmm. shoot a thirty percent clip from the three. They got to shoot thirty-five to thirty-eight over the course of you know two, three games, and maybe they can they can do something. Obviously, the safe pick is Gonzaga. You know, and will it be a rematch of that early game, Paulo Banchero against Chet again? Everybody was going crazy about early in the season, but but I, I know you have a big interest in one game in that field, and so do I. It's Jalen Duran versus Chet in the second round. Talk about mm. Memphis. Talk about the Penny Hardaway mm. situation. He would look. He looked. He looked dead in the water halfway through the season. And he kind of figured it out a little bit, like addition by subtraction, subtraction by addition, however you want to call it. You know, what do you see there? Does Memphis get the, by the first round, and what do they do against Gonzaga? Because I think Memphis has a Boise State that first round, yeah. which is yeah. a tough one. Uh, yeah. I see them uh, getting by. Memphis is deep. Like they're really talented, even though with no money Bates, they're yeah. they're deep. Uh, that's why they beat Houston in the first time. Obviously, they lost in the conference championship, pretty good. Sure. But you know, when Memphis is clicking, they're really, really good. I think they get by Boise. I think it's a one to two possession game uh, against Gonzaga. I see Gonzaga winning, but uh, yeah, I mean, you're talking about two big men in Chet and Jalen Duran. I mean. Yeah. Just they're one of the best rim protectors in the country. Both of them are. Uh, that's going to be a really good matchup. Chet's obviously more skilled. Jalen's really kind of punishes you more inside. But uh, mm -hmm. I think Gonzaga beats Memphis. Obviously, Memphis, I think, in the country is one of the most talented teams in the country. And when they're clicking, they're really good. And when they're not, they're really bad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I see them getting past Boise. I see them giving a good game to Gonzaga in the first half, but I think when it when things have to really tighten up, I think that's where Gonzaga gets to win because Memphis still plays a little bit too loose for my liking, and mm -hmm. uh, and you know Gonzaga, even though they play fast, there is a little bit more discipline. Gotcha. 
Yeah, you know, Duke is in that in that bracket, as we mentioned, and and want to let people know, you know, our guest, Chloe Wells, she went to Duke. She's from Southern California. And she wanted to talk a little bit about her experience in Russia. Obviously, Chelsea, we were on talking about that extensively last week. And obviously, you went to, went to Duke and, and are overseas right now for, you know, yeah. you're in Israel. So, you know, the thing that we had all this talking about, uh, oh, my God, you know, what's going on with Brittany Griner? Let's get her home. And the only thing I've seen in the last week is that there is no additional information about it. Like people, people don't have no nothing, which was I was trying to say last week, like you guys quit saying somebody get her back. The government get her back. Like, do we not know how serious this is? Like, I don't see any updates. I got a it's little very serious. Yeah, I got a little information that said the, the system she's in as far as her legal system, that it's a ninety nine point seven five percent conviction rate, whatever that means. You know, like if you get arrested, yeah. you're going to get convicted. Again, and yeah. we don't know like how fair things are. You know, when something happens here to some of our friends or a prominent person, we're like, wait a minute, that wasn't right. He'll get off of that. Or like, mm -hmm. she'll get out of that, you know, or wait a minute, that pullover, that stop wasn't right. You didn't deserve that ticket. Like, we don't know if it's like, it's not like that yeah. it's not everywhere in the country. So we wanted to get her take on it. She was in Russia. Thank God she, she made it home. So I also want to talk to her a little bit about, see what she thinks about Duke and the tournament, but. The more serious pressing issue is obviously her experience there. So, you know, she should be coming on here soon in a little while. So we'll, we'll keep going. We'll move over um, to the next region. But I'm with you, Ani. I, I, I want to see Jalen Duran and see him against Chet Holmgren. Um, that's what makes – I think Gonzaga is going to get through that bracket, you know, they, they just with the with the experience they have. But, again, are they going to get over the hunt? They're, they're kind of like – you know, one of these teams, are they going to get over the hump on it? Do you think they can just get over the hump now? Like they've been in the final championship game twice in four or five years. You know, is, is this the team that can get over the hump or is it just too wide unpredictable right now? Things too unpredictable. If I had to guess, I'll say no. Uh, I think when they go against teams that have really good guard play, that play get, get up and down and really challenges the bigs and pick and roll, that's where they really struggle. Um, so that's, that's kind of, I, I don't think so, but I, I would say last year's team had the best chance this year's team. They could. But I just think when they go against guys that really challenges their bigs in space, that's where the problem occurs. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Let's jump over to the Midwest region. We talked about that region a little bit. Obviously, LSU, we talked about San Diego State. You know, uh, USC's in that region. The number one seed is Kansas. Number two is Auburn. Uh, again, we've talked about Auburn on a little bit and mm -hmm. what they're capable of or incapable of. And, you know, in that region, you know, USC Auburn intrigues me, but, I, you know, I don't know how good Bruce Pearl's guards are. You know, um, yeah, I like mm -hmm. Wisconsin too. There's LSU, you know, obviously our guy Jabari Smith is going to be a high pay. Everybody wants to see him and see him do good. That, that, that bracket has a lot of good players. When you think about some of the individuals, guys, they got Murray from Iowa. He might be the best player in the country. Maybe mm -hmm. Jabari is. You know, you know, what's your what's your take on that uh on that bracket or that region? Oh uh, yeah. Um I think Auburn makes it out, even though their guard play can be uh, a little interesting at times, be inconsistent. They're just so tough. Uh, and then Auburn gets after it. And, and I think Jabari has really grown as a player. He's someone that I was wondering, like in big games, can he really produce? Uh you kind of got to see that during uh uh during conference play. I uh, really like Auburn. I like Iowa. Uh, Keegan Murray's mm -hmm. been one the one player that I really just enjoy watching. You know, he's really improved 
uh, every year, every year. But I think Auburn makes it out. Um, I think it'll, it'll be a little bit tough, but you know, my second choice would be Iowa. I really like Iowa. I like the way they play. I like how the, you know, how they just really get after it. And, you know, they, they, they won some good, some good games, uh, out there. If there's a team that made a, a, a final four push, like I could see it. Iowa, honestly, you, you have Iowa getting past Kansas. I can see it. Ooh. Iowa, because you think of, like you said, a national player of the year type. You got Johnny Davis, right, from Wisconsin. He's in that bracket. And you got Jabari, like three of the four best players in the country in the same bracket, like, which, you know, from an individual yeah. standpoint is pretty exciting, but maybe that's not going to make a big difference in the team. But I do notice that right away. And like we said, we if we're not talking about Kentucky or Arizona, a lot of people are picking Iowa, Ani. They're just kind of like as a, a five seed. You know, like how often does a five seed get through? And if there's any four or five seed, some people think that that may be the pick. Um, wanted to go over that a little bit. Uh, lowest seed to play for the national ti- championship game is an eight. Butler, yeah, 1985 right. Villanova. And, and 1985 Villanova is a little bit of an anomaly because it was the last year before the shot clock. So they were just handling the ball. They had three, four guards. And they moved it around and played Georgetown, a team that they lost, got killed to twice in the tournament. So in 1980, Bruins, UCLA, they were almost all freshmen. They had Kiki Vandeweghe and a bunch of freshmen. So, you know, there, there no, no seed has been that low very often, what, three times in 40 years? So we talk about all these lower seeds and, oh, I like this team. I like this six. I like this seven. And, th- and then it really comes down to the top three seeds. You know, so is there any other team besides Iowa in any in any uh, of the regions that you guys see Chelsea or, you know, that through four or five that can go through? Mm, I'm not seeing it, to be honest. Like, I don't have any team that's fresh in my mind that I can say they can, you know, make some noise. I think Iowa, if anything, is a good pick. But I don't have Iowa getting past Kansas, to be honest. I like the Auburn coming out of the Midwest. Um, I I liked Auburn early in the year when they spent some time as the number one. Um, But, yeah, I don't see Iowa getting past Kansas. Just too big, too athletic. Um, But as far as lower seeds making it, I can't see it. You know, it's a rarity to have a, a, a high seed, I guess, actually make too much noise. So can't see it. Yeah. Yeah. Just, go ahead. I'll, I'll, yeah, obviously, I'm a big fan of Iowa. What would you say with Arkansas? They're a four seed. Like, would they be a high seed? I like Arkansas too. I don't. I don't think they make it out. Ooh, but yeah. uh, so they would get. You know, let's say they get past Vermont, the four thirteen. So they got UConn most likely. Then they take Gonzaga. That's where it ends right there. The only other. Yeah. That's all. That's the only other team I could see like okay. make a run outside the top three seed. Yeah. So based on what you guys are saying, it's like, this is parody. We it's wide open. We're saying it's been a crazy college basketball year, but we're, we keep falling back to the top seeds. So what makes the big difference in your guys' mind, especially Chelsea, you, you, you're a college basketball player. You, you have a good sense of it. Is, is it the coaching being hot or just the better players win most of the games and to win six games in a row, you got to have the better players, which, what is the most important thing here? Uh, in my personal opinion, I think it's just matchups. You know, Ani talked a little bit about just style of play. Some teams like to run and gun. Big okay. 10 teams are slow. They want to pound you in the paint. Like, you know, it, it really just is obviously good coaching because you have to have coaches that can adjust to pretty much any team that's in front of them. 
but it's a matchup thing. Sometimes, you know, you're paired with somebody that you can, can beat that, you know, a, a top team isn't able to get past because their one weakness is the strength of the team that, you know, you're able to get right. past. So um, in my opinion, it honestly is just matchups. Um, and sometimes it's a little bit of luck. Like there's teams, every, every team, whether they want to admit it or not, besides the initial, you know, matchup, there, there, there's somebody that they want to avoid or they have a preference. Like, okay. oh, you know, if we can squeak around Auburn or we can squeak around, you know, because somebody else upsets them. And then that's when their opportunity is to come in and kind of, you know, make way for, for them to make some noise. So to me, it's definitely comes down to coaching. You have to have a good coach. You 100% have to have the players, not necessarily the best players, because we've seen Kentucky have, you know, yeah. top picks in the draft or, you know, a lot of yeah. teams have one and dones and their teams aren't successful because they just don't have the experience, which I feel is key. Um, but to me, I think it just boils down to a little bit of luck and matchups that are suitable uh, for how you play, basically, who you're going to play against. Gotcha. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, go ahead, on. Yeah, I would agree with that, those two. And I think most of these teams that, you know, make the Final Four win the championship, they at least have at least two NBA guys, even if it's oh, a absolutely. guy or something. Like, at the end of the day, like, they, you're going to have to at least need two pros. Uh, two pros are really good. Really <laughs> I'm not, not in college, but I get you. you yeah, you know what I mean? Like, you got to have two guys that are, you know – they're dudes. Uh, well, not even like dudes. Like you know, they're going to be in the NBA to some capacity. I think most teams that win national championships—that's generally what they have. But I agree with Chelsea. Like luck and the matchups got to be right. Um, when you just go against, like, if you're a team like a Big East team that kind of really plays with the bigs, and you go against a team that plays fast that really plays with their guards, you know, yeah. it could be a tough matchup. Even though yeah. maybe on paper you're the better yeah. team, but it's just it's just not it's not the good matchup uh, uh, who you're going against. Gotcha. So uh, let's switch gears here. I believe we have our guest, Chloe Wells, ready to come on. Again, we, we talked about the seriousness of the issue with Brittany Griner. Just, and, and she was in, in, in Russia, so that gives us some good insight, and she's definitely back home now, so we're glad. Uh, Chloe, are you there? Yes. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Hello, everybody. Hey, Chloe. Hi. How you doing? Good. How are you? Yeah. Well, welcome to yeah. the In the Paint Show, Chloe. Wanted to get your, you know, just your take. Uh, glad you're back home. Just just take us through, uh, you know, the experience first of being in Russia. How, how long, when did you get there? And how many seasons have you been playing in Russia? This is my first season in Russia. Uh, I got there October 1st. And okay. it was brutal. Uh, just the weather and just the people. It was, it was pretty rough. Uh, okay. I got there on October 1st and it was snowing. Like I never seen the ground. I was in Siberia. Wow. So it was negative 20 degrees. I'm talking about Fahrenheit. Mm. It was negative 20 and it was dark six months out the year. So just that part alone, the environment was just really tough. And at first it took me a while to get going. So I was having just decent games in my opinion, but my, my teammates were happy. My coaches were happy with it. But to me, I wasn't satisfied and it was too cold to go outside. So I was kind of in a dark place, you know, I'm just in the house, okay. in my feelings and just stuck pretty much. So that alone was just, it was a rough, like three months for me. And okay. then I came out of my slump and I was just like, you know what? No, I belong here. I think at first for me, I was playing against the best in the world. Like every team had three WNBA players on it. I think okay. I was, one of the only imports that hadn't either touched the WNBA or anything like that. And I had asked my agent to get me on the stage like that. 
And so okay. I asked for this, but it was time to, you know, step up to the challenge. And mm -hmm. it was it was rough at first. But then uh, my teammates and my coaches are very encouraging and supportive. And I was able to come out of that. And I started averaging like maybe 18 and 10 for like the last six or seven games before I left. So it was, it was a nice turnaround for me. Got you. Um, Chloe, uh, me, I, I haven't been all over Europe. Chelsea has great experience and, and, and great insight on being in different countries. When I think of uh, Russia, I think of Moscow. So were you in Moscow or most of the games in Moscow? Or is there other little cities you have to travel to on a weekly basis? Yeah, I was in Siberia. So okay. I was far away from Moscow, like four and a half mm -hmm. hours uh, flight wow. from Moscow. Uh, most of the teams, though, they're probably about six, six or seven teams that are either in Moscow or very close to Moscow. So we did a lot of traveling towards that area. And that's wow. a much better area. Like there's more stuff to do. It's not as cold. Um, yeah, so that, that place is much better, but no, there's more teams outside of Moscow that aren't experiencing that Moscow feel that you're talking about. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, jump in there, guys. Uh, so kind of, Chloe, I want to talk a little bit about just when the turmoil, you know, and you kind of got noticed that, you know, uh, Russia may be going to war, you know, they're thinking about invading Ukraine. Um, what was the feel like from your team and your management? Like, what was the management uh, communicating with you? Are they talking about what's going on? Are they are they saying, you know, downplaying the situation? You know, are, are they in agreement with the Russian government? Like, what kind of information were you getting from your teammates and the people around you? And, you know, how did it kind of affect your decision to, I guess, want to get out of there? Yeah, so... Russia as a whole, they have like a kind of censorship where they're, mm -hmm. the people there didn't feel, we didn't feel like there was a war going on. Like where I was from, where I was at, it was about four and a half like flight from where the Ukrainian border was. So there was no feeling of like, oh, a war is here, it's, it's, a, it's brewing or anything like that. I didn't even know that anything was happening until people back home were reaching out to me. Like, hey, wow, these, okay. what's going on? Like, you know, and they were sending us, you know, sending me and my teammates, like, different stuff from the media. And we were like, oh, this is getting serious, you know? So yeah. then we started to reach out to our agent. But at no point in time was the team or the coaches or general manager like, oh, this is getting serious. You guys need to get out of here. They were kind of like, you know, it's no big deal. Like, look around. Do you feel mm -hmm. like anything's going on? Like, you're mm -hmm. good. And I'm like, you know, this, this <laughs> is not right, you know? Yeah. So, uh, but it was crazy because I I felt good enough to return. I came back home for national team break. I think it was February. February 16th was when my flight was to go back. Mm -hmm. And my parents, my I mean, we had a big argument. Like, Chloe, yeah. do not go back there. This is yeah. crazy. And I'm mm -hmm. like, you guys, I don't feel that. Like, things mm -hmm. seem okay. I want to go back and at least finish my contract if I can or whatever. So I went back. And then oh. two weeks after that, things got even more crazy. Then the airway started to close down. And that's when mm. I was like, oh, okay, I don't want to get stuck out here. Yeah, I got to get out of here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's when wow. I really noticed how important, like, having a team around you is. Because I had to switch agencies after this season because just the lack of aggression and, like, sense of urgency to get me out of a situation that was so serious. Mm -hmm. I Like, for instance, um, so we saw that it was going crazy and that the airways were closing down. And so it got to a point where all the other Americans were out of there. We had played a team called Nika and they had two Americans on there, Azaree Stevens and Ty Harris, I think her name is. Mm -hmm. And that night we played them. They were there at the game. 
Okay. When we were leaving that city to go back to return to our city, they were on the flight with us leaving to go home. Yeah, they were like, oh, no, we're out of here. And then so. Oh, I, wow. Yeah, Epiphany um, and Natasha Howard, they were on a course team. Had, their game mm -hmm. had got delayed. They didn't even play that time because they were closer to the border. And they were like, look, we're getting out of here. It's time for you guys to go. So I was like, oh, okay, this is serious, you know? Mm -hmm. And I was hitting my agent like, hey, I'm ready to go home. Let's go. Let's do this. And he's like, okay, you know, I'll talk to the team. And he's like nonchalant. So I'm like, yeah. okay, like, come on, you know? <laughs> and so um, they had called a meeting with me the next day. So I'm thinking like, oh, okay, he talked to them. Like, it's mm -hmm. time to go. In the meeting, they were like, okay, all the other Americans are gone. We can win. You know, like if you guys. Oh, no. <sighs> I was like, wait, what? And then I, it got to the point where it was only four countries that were open. So they're like showing me this graph of all the other countries in the world that are not open to Russia. And then the four little countries that are. And he's like, surely you'll be able to get out of these four. He's like drawing. I'm like, oh, this guy is sick. <laughs> like, Oh, like, wow about my safety my livelihood he's just worried about you know winning these games winning the and game. then the final straw for me was like clearly the agent didn't go before me and say look she's going to come to this meeting have her mm -hmm. release paper have her ticket to get out of here he clearly because i'm in the meeting mm -hmm. having to say all this stuff on my own behalf but then the, the general manager goes surely if if all these other three countries shut down surely you'll be able to get out of kazakhstan because our coach he's from kazakhstan well i'm like He's not like that. He's not a government official. Like what? Yeah. No. Oh my gosh. So it was so bad. I got out of that meeting and then they were like, they were trying to basically extort me to stay. They were like, well, wow. we're going to pay you. They've been paying me at this Russian bank. And they mm -hmm. were like, well, we'll pay you your money that we owe you, but it's going to go to this bank. How will you get your money? And I, I didn't know exactly what they were meaning until the next day when I was, I got my own ticket. Like my sister mm -hmm. was on the phone with American Express. She got me a ticket out of there that was like, four times the amount of what it would be. I had to oh, go wow. through mm -hmm. Dubai to then come back because no one was letting Russian planes fly directly into their country mm -hmm. besides four countries. And then, so she got me a ticket out of there and then they didn't pay for that. They were like, well, this is your decision. Like, it's not that bad here. We're going to continue to play. Like, this is what you want to do. We're not going to release you. And we're only going to give you one more payment. Like, even though this is not your fault, they're basically saying it kind of is because you're deciding to leave. Like, Yeah, because you want to you know, leave. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm like, Everybody else is going. It's a war. It's not like I'm saying, like, yeah. oh, you know. Right, oh, right. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It was so crazy. So all of that happened. And the agent guy, he was he was just very nonchalant, very like, oh, okay, I'll figure things out. You know, I'm glad you're safe. And my main mission was to get you out of there. And I'm like, but you didn't. Like, I had to do that, you know? Yeah. So I was like, you know, this is my time to jump from this person to another agency because. Sure. The sense of urgency was just not there. Luckily, I had my family back home and people who loved me and like was able to come through for me in the clutch. But it was like, wow, this is this is not how you should. Yeah. So okay. able, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Ani. No, I was just saying, how did it feel? I mean, that's nuts. Uh, how did you feel just when you got back, when you came back? I mean, thankfully oh, you were able to. I was like, thank God bless America. You know, it was just like, yeah, it was crazy because even when I left there, so when I left, usually I always have an extra bag because I have a lot of stuff. I take like seasonings and stuff to just get me through the season that they don't have in other countries. And so usually 
when I was leaving Russia every time, because I left like three times to go and come back. And I would like check my bags in, but they would keep them at the, the desk and I would have to go pay for the extra bag and then come mm -hmm. back, show them the receipt and then they would take them on the plane. Well, mm -hmm. this time, same thing. I checked my bag in. I went to the other desk to pay for it. I'm bringing the receipt back. I don't see my bags. And I'm like, um, they're like, can you step to the side for a second? And I'm like, okay, but like, where are my bags? Yeah. Some guy was in the back room with my bags. I don't know what he was doing. I don't know if he was taking things out, going through it extra, putting things in. So I'm like, wait, 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 where, like, why did you take my bag? You know, I'm like asking questions in the yeah. Like, they don't know. But yeah. they were just speaking English to me. You know, they were like, oh, mm -hmm. no, stay there, like, relax. It's okay. Everybody does this. And I'm like, no, I've seen all these people in this line. You guys didn't take their bags back there. He brings my bag back and puts, oh, it's okay, it's okay, and just pushes it onto the plane. Wow. And I'm like, oh, no. So as soon as I got to Dubai and they gave me my bag back, I, like, went through everything to make sure, like, they didn't take anything or put anything in there. And they did it. But that was very, very strange. So I can't imagine other people who had bags or whatever situation might have been. And they could have, you know, they could have done anything with my bag back there. Right. Sure. I mean, yeah. and, and that makes me think of the Britney situation, though. Exactly. Like... I know hers was a little supposedly in her carry-on and stuff like that, but to have your belongings go, you know, missing, and I'm not saying that you didn't have anything, whatever, but I'm just saying, like, you very well could have had something put in your suitcase in those moments that it was missing, and you could have got to Dubai or somewhere else, and they flag you, and you have no idea, you know, where whatever miscellaneous item came from, so that's kind of scary. It's kind of weird. Very scary. So, Chloe, were you more, like, scared? angry or are you just like i want to get home or like wh what were you kind of thought as this is unfolding and then you don't really know exactly when you're going to leave or like how when exactly you're going to get home what are your thoughts at that time like you just thinking like anger or you're just a little more scared or are you just trying to keep cool because you want to get home yeah i was pretty chill about it i was thinking yeah. about going off in that situation with the bags because that was not cool at all but yeah. my thing was more <laughs> getting home, getting a safety. And then also too, like you said, Chelsea, I was thinking the same about Brittany, like they could have easily did something to her bag, you know? So it was just a lot of different emotions, but I was just really, really happy to get home. I was, I was a little bit nervous because two days before there were some girls who flew from Moscow straight to Canada, or they were trying to fly from Moscow to Canada. And the girl, um, she was telling us that in the air, they rerouted them. And they cut the Wi-Fi. Mm -hmm. So when she landed again, she was back in Moscow. She's oh, thinking, wow. Yeah. And she was like, what is going on? So when she told us that, and this is two days prior to us leaving, you know, I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, man, I hope, you know, nothing goes like that. I just wanted to have a smooth flight. So that kind of stuff was on my mind. And then there was only four countries that were still allowed. You know, I'm like, well, what if one of those countries says no? You know, right. like, so right. it was and a changes lot of their mind. Right. Wow. Yeah, it was that was pretty crazy. So Chloe, um, you know, when, when, when you look back at it was, how were the people of Moscow, not so much your basketball players, but just maybe people, your fans or people around town when you get something to eat, like, were they tense? Were they, were they not telling like the athletes or the American athlete what was going on? Or do you, did you get any sense that they thought something was going on, even though you didn't necessarily know there was going to be an invasion or a war breakout? Like what was the general feel of people around Siberia like were they involved like hey I don't know what's going on here you know what mm -hmm. sense did you get well the people there are the, the country is pretty tense okay like when I first arrived there they're mm -hmm. kind of cold and like 
okay. If you get to know them, they're really good people. They love you. They're loyal. But until you get to know them, I mean, they will bump you in the street and keep it moving. Kind of like a New York type. <laughs> <but kinda laughs> yeah. 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 And so that kind of remained. It wasn't like they, they acted any differently. And another thing they were telling me was that they had been talking about this war for years. You know, like, sure. oh, yeah. we're going to invade. We might not. And they said nothing's ever happened. So their their attitude towards it was like, this is going to pass. Like, they're not going to do We've been doing this yeah. for years, and they've never done anything. And then so when they did do something, they were shocked. But it wasn't like, oh, we're in grave danger. It was kind of like, oh, okay, like, is this will blow over soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, what kind of perspectives does this give you now, Chloe, being abroad? That was your first season. And, and you growing up in Southern California and obviously being in North Carolina for a little while as well and being a Southern California girl. What kind of when you got home, what kind of uh, perspective did it give you that despite our problems, you know, we don't live with like threats of bombs or like you don't have a bomb shelter in your house in the IE? Like what what new perspective do you have of like? First, being the experience of and being a pro player, but also being back home with your family and your loved ones. Yeah, so as a pro player, Russia, and then last year I played in Israel, and I think those are two of the best leagues in the world as far as they have talent and competition from, like, the American WNBA players and stuff sure. that I've played in. And um, just that this is what I want to do. I've, I've always wanted to play in the WNBA. So being on that stage and playing there, just not taking, like, granted how precious life is you know like mm-hmm. like you said we don't live in danger we don't have to worry about somebody coming here for war like we go to other places to fight and sure. a lot of people don't have that kind of safety and right. so it was just very eye-opening and made me realize that whatever it is that I want to do in life like I need to go after it because I don't it's not promised that I'm going to have a whole season mm-hmm. to do it or you know like you never really know when your last game is going to be your last game thankfully it's not like I'm hurt so I can go somewhere else and play but also like you just never know and so that's really what I'm putting all my effort towards now, like in my off season is just like really, really working hard and towards that goal. And then also just, I know I want to play somewhere warm. I mean, Russia was freezing. <laughs> well, then, yeah, that's, that's an old saying, you know, like, oh, you're headed to Siberia. Like we've been saying that for, I don't, I don't even know where Siberia is, but I do say that like, boy, you're going to Siberia. Like, it's, it's you know, it's just way out. That's what people say it, as a, really kind of like a joke. You no, know? it's no joke. So yeah. <laughs> But, so, uh, Chloe, just real quick, though, do you do you ever see like how do you see the Russian League resuming after this? Like not necessarily for this season, but I'm curious to know, do you think like would you ever go back next year? Do you think the Russian League will, you know, go back to the regularly scheduled program? You know, a lot of high profile WNBA players play in that league. Um, they make the most money um, that you can probably make in any country. You know, I, I don't foresee, you know, prayerfully, I'm hoping that Brittany Griner gets out of there. And I can't imagine her going back to play after such an experience. Mm-hmm. But what do you think about other players, you know, Epiphany Prince and, you know, the players that you came across on these other teams? And could you see yourself as well, maybe going back there in the future? I don't think a lot of players would go back for a while, especially because like FIBA and the Euro Cup, Euro League, they're, they're banning them from their right. um, competition, for playing with them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so for a while, it's going to be tense like that. I think there will only be Russian players playing in the Russian League for a while until they can figure this thing out. Um, as far as myself, I would never go back. And not because the team – like the Russian League, it was very competitive. It was very, very mm-hmm. good. It was just very brutal. Like that winter for me yeah. was just almost impossible. And, I mean, if I was making the kind of money that they were making, I might think about it. But <laughs> yeah. even then it would be a thing like – 
I yeah. very, very yeah. good. And then there was another aspect of like, I can't say for sure, but it seemed like there was a lot of betting on these games. And oh. we would play teams. And I mean, like, honestly, the last game we played, they called seven technicals on our team. And yeah. I'm just like, and I can't, I can, I can't even tell you what one was for. And like, you know, like regular, you know, foul, take out of bounds, technical. And we're looking like, wait, what? They call it technical on our poor coach. He's never cursed. Like, he is just the sweetest guy. Yeah. And they call it technical on him. And then they said, and if the bench says anything, if they get up, we're going to throw you. You got to give him a technical and throw you out the game. Mm. And we're like, what? So we're scoring and we're just like, but we can't say anything. You know, it was just the craziest stuff. But what happened was we would play against these high-profile players. And I. this is all my opinion. But we'll play against mm -hmm. these high-profile players. And our team, like, we had girls who played in the league and stuff, but they weren't high-profile. And mm -hmm. so we were competing. We would be beat. Like, we had course, which was, like, Epiphany Prince and Natasha Howard. Mm -hmm. We had them down by 10 at halftime. And mm -hmm. I'm sure if there was betting, that was not the point spread. You okay. know? So second yeah. half, they start getting balls, <laughs> flagrant one, everybody. Like, it was just outrageous stuff happening like that. But overall, that league was so strong. Like, not like the Russian players included, they were huge. Like, you know how we make jokes like, oh, that girl's six mm -hmm. nine. They were really six nine. And I'm like, yeah, oh my God. Mm -hmm. Like, and, and it doesn't look like that when you're watching it on, on film. So I would come off the screen and my dad's like, baby girl, you have your shot. I'm like, yeah, that was she's six nine. Like she was over there and just taking off my hand, you know. So it was just a whole different way of like adjusting and stuff because the girls were really good. Yeah. What what lead do you with you know hesitancy of people going back to Russian league, like you said, and the FIBA put some sanctions on them. What league overseas do you think will kind of come up because of all this? Um, I think the Turkish leagues. I'm not really too well versed on like which leagues are already really good, but I know I think in China or Korea. I'm not sure which Korea they go to, North or South Korea, but I think mm -hmm. those leagues will really start to make a push, and those players will start to go over to those leagues too, because I don't see. Russia being that kind of league anymore for at least three to five years, especially with yeah. just that threat of danger. Now, I don't think people are going to go back. And then with yeah. them having Brittany Grinder, like we played that team. We played that team mm -hmm. on February 20th. She was not in that game. And there, no one said, oh, Brittany, you know, she's, yeah. yeah, we didn't know about that till weeks later. And I'm just like, wow, crazy. Yeah. Like that whole situation, and then when my bags happened, I'm like, dang, they could have put something in their bag, poor girl. Mm -hmm. And then in those countries, they're they're very rigid, you know. Like sure. her being a lesbian is mm -hmm. forbidden over there. I can't. I, I just mm -hmm. hope and pray that they're not mm -hmm. doing anything crazy to her while she's being detained and stuff. But I just really don't feel that confident. Like, oh, you know, they're treating her how they're supposed to be. Like. Sure. That situation makes me really, really uneasy. And, like, I, my heart really goes out to her. I don't even know her personally, but it's just not a good situation. I can't imagine what, pri like, real prison is like in Russia versus the, the experience that I had already, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah that's... that's the, the last the last report that I had a couple of days ago that I heard um, was that she is okay. Like, mm -hmm. it, and that's such a, like, broad, like, right. very general, yeah. like, statement, but... They said, you know, she, they have been in contact with her family, you know, obviously her team and her agents and, you know, lawyers representation and she's okay. That's okay. like the most that I've heard. Um, so just a scary situation, but Ani too, just to piggyback a little bit off of what you said, um, 
you know, the other league that usually pays similar to Russia is China. And okay. um, the last two seasons, China hasn't had imports. So a lot of people have been mm-hmm. waiting for They've had imports on the men's side. Um, my friend mm-hmm. Jamal Franklin, who's a San Diego State alum, he's playing in China right now. Um, but on the women's side, the last two seasons, they haven't had um, women, women imports. Um, so I think if that were to open up next year, I think a lot of the more high profile WNBA players will end up in China because that's similar pay scale. You know, it's, it's a short season. It's only four months, but, you know, they can pay you half a mil in China. They can pay you um, quarter of a mil in China, you know, and not many leagues have the ability to do that. Um, Chloe mentioned the Turkish league a little bit. Um, the Turkish league has money, but not all the teams. And the Turkish league has, you know, a reputation for, hey, we'll sign you for this amount of money, but are you really going to get it? You know, if it's not like Finner. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, you know, if it's not like Finner or Gala, the two top, um, you know, teams would have the biggest budgets. Uh, they have probably the most WNBA players at the moment playing for them. Um, but some of those smart teams in China, you think the market is decent, but, you know, you lose a couple games and are we going to make it to the playoffs? Do we want to pay? You know, those kind of questions um, kind of come up. So just in my opinion, I think that you might see a little more disbursement of, you know, players just playing in different places. Um, because usually in just Italy or Spain or France, there's always one to two to three teams that have a budget that can pay nicely. Like even in Israel, like I'm in Israel, I've been here for a long time. You know, we have a Euro Cup team in Romley and they've brought high profile, you know, WNBA all-star type players and they have the ability to pay them. So I think every country is kind of in that similar situation. I think players might object to go overseas in general more. Um, but I just think that the ones that opt to come are going to definitely experience maybe um, a pay cut um, from some sort of, not, you know, what they're used to being paid, especially if they play in Russia. Um, and other than that, it'll just kind of be interesting to see the landscape of women's basketball overseas um, in the future, especially now with uh, leagues like um, Athletes Unlimited, Chloe, I'm not sure if you've heard of it, but, mm-hmm. you know, that, that, that league that, you know, it's only six weeks, but they have some WNBA players. It's, you know, in the United States, it was in Vegas. Um, about a month ago, like th- those leagues are kind of starting to pop up. And I think that might deter people from wanting to go overseas in general. Yeah. And we hear about Brittany, which is the biggest determinant of all, like nobody ever wants to be yeah. in that situation. And right. so right. I think we're going to see the landscape change. So that was just a comment I wanted to make. Yeah. Chloe, switching gears a little bit. Obviously you're back home. Tell us what's next for you. Like you said, your goal is to keep playing. You want to get shot a good shot at the WNBA but what are you gonna be up to this summer I know you help younger players you like to give back and and help young girls or young boys learn the game so what are you up to now that you're back home yeah so outside of training like you said and getting ready for this next season coming up um I will so right now I'm in the contract or in the process of signing contracts for a school district I'm looking at three different schools they're high schools Mm -hmm. and I have a mentorship called the uh, scholar club and what okay. they do is they give me about 40 students. And so once a week, I meet with these students in groups of 10. And we just talk about their class, like their attendance, behavior, and their um, attendance, behavior, oh, and their grades. And then just life. I'm like a big sister mm-hmm. to them. And That's so great. I incentivize them, you know, to keep doing po- like positive things and making good choices and, like, having good results in school and then I'm going to do that in three different schools. And then I'll be training kids like crazy this summer and just all in the gym. And then I have a team that I'm going to be coaching. 
sixth grade team. Um, hey. It's called OC Rhythm. And hey. yes. that's cool. So what is your social media so people can keep track of what you're doing or if you have a uh, somewhere that they can s- send you so keep up to date? We have a lot of SoCal listeners if they want to reach out to you and see what you're up to. C Wells, so C W E L L S B T R, and B T R stands for Beyond the Rim, and that's my IG, and that's the only thing I'm really on. I have Snap and everything else, but that's I'm on Instagram. Instagram, okay. Nice. It's more lighthearted, honestly. It's been a we appreciate you sharing your experience, but a lower lighthearted situation on the boys side. What do you think about your Blue Devils? You know, the number two seed. What do you think about Duke now? You're back home. <laughs> oh, I think the face says it all, Ronnie. Look at the face. Right. Okay, so I don't watch that much basketball. Let's okay. start there. And the okay. basketball that I have watched this year with Duke, I've watched them play one game. This is sometimes just one yeah. game. Yeah. They on. lost yeah. to uh, <laughs> who they just lose to Virginia Tech. Tech? Yeah, ACC Tech. tournament. Yeah, the championship. Yeah. Okay, no, no. Who was the game before that? Who did they lose to? Did they lose to North Carolina? You're saying maybe Coach K's last game? Yes. Coach K's farewell. They lost to North Carolina. Wasn't Miami. Cameron. Ooh, it could have been Miami, too. Ooh. Wait, who did they play the first game in in um, in the, in the ACC? ACC tournament? Man, you just, I can't remember, but but they won because they made it. To, I know, but <laughs> they barely won. Whoever they though. played, that's what I saw. Actually, I didn't. Okay, let me look it up really quick so we okay. can be we can be correct. Hold but on, what did you? Think, while she's looking at up. What did you think of them? I mean, they got. Okay, they, yeah, 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 yeah. So here's what I thought. <laughs> I'm not gonna be biased because I, you know, I'm a dookie, but <laughs> they have the best players. Like I think they have really good, mm. like talented players. Sure. I don't know if Coach K is a little tired. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> running up and down and like doing fast breaks, just like one on one and throwing the ball down low versus like having sets, you know, like yeah. some higher level, like pin down screen and handoff, backdoor. And I, I, I said, if they play against a team that's equally athletic and like can mm-hmm. play, and has some continuity and some sets, they'll lose. And then they played Virginia Tech. And I was like, I tried to tell you guys. So yeah, I I want them to win, of course, because I'm I'm alum there, but I just don't see it for them this year. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. And I hate hate to say that because Mark Williams, uh, Elizabeth Williams and I played together. We played together at Boo. Then we played Mm -hmm. together at Duke. And so our brother's there. Of course I want them to win. I just, I don't see it. Honestly, I don't see it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate the hard take. We got to have you back (laughs) on. We're going to have to have you come back on and talk about some of this stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, I got to watch some more then. I got to start watching basketball more. Because I'm outside. Yeah, you want to get out. You want to get out. We appreciate your insight and your honest take. And we thank you for taking the time to get on with us to talk about your Russian experience and let people know what you're up to. So we thank you and appreciate you coming up. Definitely. Thanks for having me. Yeah. 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 Okay, take care, Chloe. All righty. Bye-bye. Bye. So yeah, I mean, she has a good one-liners, and it's—I mean, just what he said about like her bag and oh, how yeah. far she is, four and a half hours. Like, I could get to Miami in four hours from LA. Like, <laughs> how big Russia is, you know? That's why I wanted to like where is she at in Moscow. How cold it is? I can't deal with that cold, man. I just—I I wouldn't be able to function. 
Like it is kind of cold in Israel right now, colder than it's ever been in my nine years of being here. Usually kind of mid-February, I'm on the beach. I'm hanging out, it's usually beach weather. But right now it's been like 55 still in mid, you know, um, March. So I am barely hanging on here. You know, Ronnie, I'm from Vegas. Like it gets a little cold there, but no, I like it hot. I'd rather be hot than cold in May. So no, couldn't do it. Yeah, And like you said, you know, I guess the the media reports that we hear about people not knowing what's going on outside of the team is, is from her take it's like right dead on of what we've heard. Like mm-hmm. they don't really know what's going on in the rest of the country, or maybe the citizens are a little oblivious. I think maybe the citizens don't want to share with the outsiders. That's what I'm kind of taking a little bit out of that. Like this is our okay. shit. Like this is Russia's shit. Like we right. we, <laughs> shit. we ain't just gonna tell anybody what's going on. Like that's what I kind of get at. It's like a hood. You're like its own hood. You know what I mean? And I think that's true, at least for the management. But the players usually form relationships with those girls, and they'll be a little bit more honest. Like, okay, Charles, like eh, I don't know. You know, like you might need to leave. You know, yeah. but it's just tough. Like it's crazy. I've never been in a situation like that, so I can only speak from you know. Yeah thankfully having positive experiences, but I can't even imagine. Yeah. And that, that she gave us great insight. I appreciate her coming on. Let's switch gears again, uh, switch back to the high school realm. We're talking about high school teams. Ani, we mentioned, you know, Centennial and Sierra Canyon and Centennial won the state title and they had one of the best public teams in the country, but we're going to now talk to coach David Peavy. He's going to be a guest on now about the best high school public team in the country. Let's bring him in now. Coach PV, are you there? Can you hear us? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Appreciate you jumping on. Uh, thank you for taking the time to join us. Uh, just give us your thoughts about being, obviously, in a state, a big state like Texas, where basketball is now, you know, right at, at the top of the, uh, of the food chain across the country and being the best team for four straight years. Um, Man. There's really, really good basketball in Texas right now, and and, yeah. and to be doing what we're doing is special. You know, I yeah. I, I know it is, uh, but I, I say this over and over, and I, I truly believe it. A lot of things have to be happening the way they're happening for us to be doing what we're doing. Um, sure. I've got a great staff, but we've got some unbelievable young men. These 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 kids, one, they're talented. We've got good size, we're athletic, but they're great people and they come from great families. Um, and then our administration um, in, in our community is so supportive that uh, it, it makes things a little bit easier for us to do what we're doing. Gotcha. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And obviously uh, there's a lot going on. You guys have a, you know, you're one of the best teams in the country and people want to follow you. Uh, you know, tell tell us how happy you are, proud of you guys to put it aside any distractions, any social media, and, and get it done on the court. So, you know, talk about those players and, and keeping focus. You know, man, I, that's that's one of the things I'm most proud about this year. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a rough year. It was a it was a really really rough year. The things that we went through as a program, um, especially with with, with Anthony, um, but we all felt it. You know, these guys are so close and they are a true family. We are a true family um, that it, it affected everybody. And, and for them to stay locked in the way that they have, um, it, 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 it is special. That makes it more special because there were a lot of distractions. There were uh, plenty of opportunities for us to, to falter. 
and and to not do what we've done. Um, so that that's one thing, man. I'm I'm really proud of. Um, it, it was draining. It's exhausting, but these guys stayed the course and they stayed locked in. Yeah, for, for uh, Dave, with AB, everything that he was going through, uh, you know, and the coming to the state uh, championship game and the win MVP, uh, you know, it's it's taken a lot of resiliency from him uh, this year. You know, just a lot had to go through. But then when, you know, when it was ready for him to play, he played. And just to come in at the end and get MVP, just talk about, you know, just just him. Like everyone talks about how talented he is. But, you yeah. know, this takes a lot of mental toughness, I'll you know, to lie. go through a yeah. lot, and I say this, man. He uh, he handled this whole situation so much better than me and his mom. You know, were I mean, it 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 wore on us so much and the family so much. But he's the one that really just kept us all together. Like, mm-hmm. and he 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 taught us a whole lot. Um, and no matter what, he found ways to continue to get better. You know, he and he helped us as a program get better. I mean, that's a heck of a dude to have on the scout team. Right. You know, right. to have yeah. to go against a McDonald's All-American um, and, and how hard he worked every day knowing that he was not going to play was crazy. Yeah. You know, he he uh, he rarely felt sorry for himself. You know, I'm not going to say he never did, uh, but he rarely felt sorry for himself. And uh, and usually it, it never happened until he got home, you know, so he never showed it. Uh, he always showed up every day to practice and he worked, he grind. Uh, and and um, and I just we all appreciate everything that he had to go through and in, in the way he did it with grace. Um, it, and it's it's going to make him it has made him a better person and for sure a better player. Mm-hmm. Coach, talk a little bit about, and you might have been asked this a lot of times, we're following the games out in California because we have vested interest because you beat California's two best teams. So you're in the semifinal against the Tassacita. You guys are down 20 points, 30 to 10. Like, how does in a state championship game, uh, semifinal game in, in against that talent level, this, this good of teams, like, did you ever imagine your team could hold another team to basically – two points each quarter and two points in the, for half of the second quarter. So six points in 20 minutes of a 32 minute game. Yeah. Just go through that. And what did you say to them? If you called a timeout and then what you say to them at halftime? Um, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll answer yeah. your questions. Yeah. I got it out of order. Out of yeah. Order. Yeah. <laughs> um, I had two assistant coaches. Yeah. Not yelling at me, but like coach, call a timeout, coach, call a timeout. Yeah. I said, no, I, what I was looking at was there was a couple th- different different things. One, they were on a high. They were on fire. Okay. And I didn't want to call a timeout and let them get in their huddle and go crazy and feed off of their energy. I didn't mm-hmm. want to call a timeout mm-hmm. and get my guys in our huddle and feed off of negative energy. Mm-hmm. And I saw those guys using a lot of energy on the court. I didn't want to give them a break. Mm-hmm. Part of our part of our game plan against most teams was to wear wear teams down, and I felt like okay, they're wearing down, they're wearing down, they're dying. Those guys, they were they were they were they were beating us, they were making shots, but they were starting to die, and I knew we had more. So, okay. 
we were making mistakes. Um, now they were making shots, so I can't take anything away from them. But and, but we expected them to make shots. That's what mm-hmm. they do. Right. Um, okay. But our game <clears throat> was to make them hit contested shots. We couldn't get back cut. Well, we had got back cut three times in that first half for layups, and we got back cut a couple other times where we had to help, which left open, wide open three-point shooters. So our deal was do not get back cut. We got to stay up under them, use our length, make them shoot contested shots, and we'll be fine, and we'll wear them down. So Mm. once we got – we made a little run right before halftime, and uh, we were down 13 at half. And – you know, yelling and screaming at that point would not do anything good. Yeah. Okay. So we got in the locker room and I just said, all right, I hate that we do this to ourselves. You know, we've been here before. We've been down in, sure. at the state tournament. We've been down yeah. before. But I hate that we have to do this to ourselves. But we did. Now, calm down. We're fine. Now let's get back to what, what the game plan was. Um and then one of our seniors, Davion Sykes, um, let me back up a little bit. To to get where we were at half, we had to go offense defense. Right. Because yeah. we had a couple kids. Ron Holland picked up two fouls. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that and then we had some guys that couldn't stay in front of them. While their guys were fresh, our 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 bigger kids couldn't stay in front of their guards. Mm-hmm. So we started going offense defense. And uh, to save Ron and to guard these dudes. Yeah. And then once we wore them down, we got to put our length back on the court and they were able to stay in front of them. So mm-hmm. coming out of halftime, Davion Sykes said, hey, coach, I mean, we're walking out. He says, hey, coach, can we keep doing it? I'm like, I said, what are you talking about? He said, offense, defense. Can we keep, can we just keep going offense, defense? And uh, I looked at my assistant coaches who make all the subs by the way, I don't make subs. Okay. I looked at them. I said, hey, we might want to look at that. And we walked out. And for the rest of that, the whole second half, we just went offense, defense. And it kept wow. our guys fresh. And and then it, it kept them off balance because we had little guys out there putting a lot of pressure. Then we put size out there that 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 it, it just keeps you off off balance a little bit. And um, And then once we got the momentum, it was hard. It was hard on them. Coach, um, just to, to piggyback on a little bit of what you said, like your, your team's had a lot of contributors. Like I, I want to hear you talk about a few of maybe the unsung guys, um, Eric Demings, uh, players that you have that, you know, have come up big for you in some of these games. I mean, Eric, Eric at, at one point this year, Eric was the hottest guy in the country. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he, he was the one, I'm sure y'all know, he was the one that hit the last second shot against Montverde. Yeah. Um, but, it, but in that stretch, he 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 shot the ball so well. Eric is a bucket. Eric's a bucket. Yeah. Um, but Eric had to take some different roles this year with with CJ Ford getting hurt, yeah. with AB being ineligible. Eric had to become more of a point guard, right? Which he has a size of a point guard, but Eric is really a two in a point mm-hmm. guard's body. Body, um, yeah. So he struggled. He struggled a lot, but it was, it's a blessing. You know, Eric had to, he had to learn how to be more of a point. And while uh, 
Evan Phelps. Yeah. Evan Phelps has taken off. He's become – he's going to be a Division One player mm-hmm. because of C.J. Ford getting hurt and A.B. going through what he had to go through. Sure. And then Evan really grew up this year. We had guys come off the bench who could really defend, like Rasan Collier. Um, and it's funny, man, how much Rasan contributed at the state tournament. You know, two weeks ago, Rasan was in the was in the transfer portal. You know, yeah. it, it's uh, you know, we, we, yeah. we just we we talk about like stay the course. Um, you know, and, and I always want what's best for you. And if and if it if it means you got to go somewhere else and be more successful somewhere else, cool. I support you, mm-hmm. but be where your feet are. You know, yeah. your feet are yeah. right here. Be where your feet are and 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 make it work for you. And Rasan really stepped up for us. Caleb Jones became a star for us. I mean, and, and people still probably don't know his name, but Caleb Jones. His defense and 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 the intensity and and what he brings to the floor just took our whole level up, and uh, because of that, Caleb's going to have a chance to to get his school paid for here pretty soon. Um, so we got we got a bunch of guys that came off the bench, really contributed, and and then they rose the level of our starters' energy. Mm-hmm. You know, once they got us going, then. Like I said, once we got the momentum, it was it was tough. It was tough. You, you talk about Evan Phelps. You know that was one player that just seeing him gradually get better uh, through just you know throughout his time there, like in December, and then seeing him in January, he just gets better. And you're like, oh damn, I think he's starting to figure out. Then you saw it in the state uh, tournament. It was just like, okay, I think Evan's like starting to arrive. Right. Uh, obviously, diff- kind of a different player than his brother. Uh, right. But Zurich, but like around the same time, they started to kind of click for Zurich too. Exactly. Uh, just talk, just talk about that, like you know, just- exactly. You know, when when Zurich first came to us as a junior, and people saw him early, I had so many people. I'm not sold on him. I'm not. Familiar. He's gonna <laughs> mm-hmm. be really good. He's gonna be really mm-hmm. good. And I said the same thing about Evan. You know, Evan came off of a a, a huge injury last year. He broke his leg. Um, he still had issues with it throughout the year where, you know, it's, it's, it's been gradual, but I saw it in practice. I would see it. I would see it. I would see it. And then, you know, he, he, he still was unsure. He was, uh, he didn't have the confidence in his leg. He didn't have a confidence in his shot. Didn't have confidence in his, in his handle. And, but we saw it. We just kept on telling, bro, you got a chance to be special. Got a chance to be special. And at the state tournament, man, when I knew, okay, Evan is going to blow up this summer and next year, um, he was sitting on defense, and he looked over at the bench while he's sitting in his stance, and he said, Coach, he tired. And he smiled. (laughs) I've never seen this dude smile in the middle of the game. He smiled. Uh, His man passed the ball. Evan dropped back in the help and then switched, got a steal, and laid it up to give us our first lead. And I was like, okay, we just won. When he did that, I just said, okay, we just won. Um, <laughs> and, and just the energy he brought. He's, Evan Phelps is going to be special. I'm, 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 I'm saying it right now for the world to hear. Evan Phelps is going to be special. 
Talk, so, you know, four for four, uh, that's just been the thing. You created a dynasty at uh, Dunkinville. You helped create it. Uh, what's your motivation? Like, you know, you won four. What's the motivation to go for five? Like, you know, how do you just motivate yourself? Like, after you win so many state titles, you know, complacency could, you know, can happen. But, like, what – how do you motivate yourself for next year? Um, I got I got different kids, man, and they got different goals. You know, it's it's the next group. It's the next guy, you know, now mm-hmm. it's, um, I'm real big. I'm real big on helping each individual reach their goals while we, we, while we reach our collective goal as a team. Um, I, and it works for us. You know, if it was just about, Hey man, let, let me use you to win a state championship. This wouldn't work. It right. wouldn't work. Um, so now it's finding a way for Ron to become a McDonald's All-American, finding a way for Cam Barnes to be who we know Cam Barnes can be, finding a way for Ashton to to continue to grow and and be, you know, they out first. I want to know what your goals are. What are your goals? Mm-hmm. And then let me find ways to help you achieve your goals while we achieve our goals. So that's my motivation. Is is the next one? You know, so I can't wait till we have our individual meetings. You know, so so we can now now that you've done what you've done now, what are your goals now? This is what they were before. Are we on track? Are we not? Okay, well, then let's 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 tweak it a little bit and figure out, Okay, how do we get back on track or do we need to go a different route? You know, do we need to do we need to change up a goal or whatever it is? But that's my motivation, man. And we're, of course, always want to win. You know, I'm at Duncanville. Ani, you know what the expectations are. Yeah, I you know. know. We don't celebrate anything, but, okay, the first time we can celebrate is when we make it to state. Mm-hmm. If we win we win, win at regionals, we get to cut those nets down, and that's about it. I mean, they know we're not, we're not throwing a party. We're not doing any of that. Now, once we win a state championship, it's on. It's on. Yeah, <laughs> I know. But, but uh, I mean, you, we don't and, – and I don't want to sound arrogant about it because, you know, it's just – it's different. You know, Duncanville, the expectations are different. Our community is different. We don't – we don't. I, I have never seen a, a district championship ball in our gym. Like, it, we don't – like, yeah. my, my assistant AD, she came from the district meeting and she took a picture of the district championship ball – in her in her passenger seat with the seatbelt on it, said, "Coach, I got your ball." I look like, where are you putting that? Like, <laughs> like we don't we don't get to do that. You yeah. know, it's just I I I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. It's just different. Coach, you coming from California, and I know your expectations level, and I know the program's level for the for you guys have won it six times with Coach uh, Bill McNeely before you as well. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm watching. Ashton and I've known him since middle school, and I'm saying, and I heard he's going to Duncan, but I'm saying this boy is not gonna be able to play there. He don't have the physical conditioning, and he has some skill, but and he's he's just not gonna. I know how you guys want to practice and how hard you want to play. It obviously showed if you're hold, holding a regionally ranked and state semifinalist to four points in the season. I'm like, he's not gonna be ready for that. So talk a little bit about his development and how proud are you that he actually made a contribution and that he he figured it out. I mean, one, he's just not contributing. Ashton's one of the dudes. You know, he's one Mm -hmm. of the dudes. Um, I'm real proud of Ashton. One, 
he was so scared. He was so scared coming in the door. And I guess he had seen stuff on 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 Facebook and Twitter and all that on social media about our workouts and how hard we go. And you know, he talked so much early about how much running we do. And I'm like, Ash, you're gonna be fine. You're an athlete. Like, yeah. like, yeah, it's gonna hurt. Being an athlete hurts, mm-hmm. but you're you know, you're gonna be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot I learned from the kid before coming here. He had never run on a track before. That, that, that was mind-boggling. He told me they never ran at all. So I, I told him early on, man, you got you got a lot of baby fat on you that you're going to have to get rid of, but but don't worry. You're, it's not like you're going to have to do anything extra. All you're going to have to do is what we do. And he took off 20 pounds like within the first couple of weeks. Yeah. And then gradually, I think he's he's down to he's taking like thirty down. Now we're gonna transform his body with 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 more muscle. He's gonna get more explosive. Um, sure. Defensively, he 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 became somebody different. You know, yeah. he really proved that he can guard on the perimeter, which is gonna make him really valuable at at six seven six eight. Being able to switch ball screens and guard guards on the perimeter. Um, he's got to get tougher around the rim. He's got to rebound better, but that's the next move. Once we put more strength on him, he'll have more confidence on throwing his body around and, and, and getting rebounds. Uh, but the kid can play. He, he's he's got a chance. He's got a chance, and uh, and he and he's he's now he's starting to believe it. That's great. That's great, Coach. Well, we want to appreciate your time. Before we let you go, we want to switch gears just a little bit. You know. Obviously, what's going on with this tournament? What do you think about this tournament? Uh, have you looked at the brackets a little bit? You know, you have any favorites? What's your team? What's going to happen, do you think, in this tournament? Have I looked at the brackets? No. <laughs> I know I will be in San Diego on Friday, flying out Friday morning. Yeah. And my team is is TCU. You yeah, know, I'll be, uh, I'll be following TCU, uh, yeah. of course, uh, I'll be, I'll be following. I follow players, man. Sure, uh, I follow sure. players and coaches. I follow coaches. If I've got a relationship or if I value or, or appreciate their coaching, I try to follow them a little bit and watch them as much as I can. But I've got a lot of friends out there who, who are, who are in the tournament. I'm excited about, about, uh, Steve Lutz, uh, making yep. it with, with Corpus, you know, in his first year, um, you know, I was hoping that, that Brett Tanner made it over at Abilene Christian. But, uh, but man, I think Coach Sampson does an unbelievable job over at U of H. Yeah. Um, you know, of course, I've got a good relationship with Coach Beard over at Texas. Um, but, of course, the Texas teams and, and then, uh, you know, getting to watch the teams that, that have been recruiting uh, A.B. You know, yeah. so I'll be, I'll be watching Gonzaga and Arkansas and – and uh, you know, and then, but but other than that, I have not looked at the bracket at all. I just know that uh, TCU plays Friday night at seven, so I'll be in there for that, and I'll I'll get to be. Yeah, if they if they get that win, they're gonna get Arizona in the second round, and that'll be a game that everybody will want to watch. On that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. you know, they're they're gonna shock the world, man. They're gonna shock the world. And, there you go. You know, <laughs> there you go. I, I'm, I'm gonna spend all my money following them. And yeah, all the way to the national championship. Wow, 
Appreciate it. Yeah, that that'll be something. So we appreciate you, Coach, coming on. Congratulations yeah, again on winning the state tournament, and thank you for taking your time. All right, thank you. Thanks, Coach. Right, All right. All right. Take care. Thanks. Yep. Coach. See y'all later. And yeah, he's very confident in his group. On as you already know. Uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> once he once Demings hit that three against Montverde, it looked like. Okay, this team is not gonna probably not gonna lose. You know yeah. what did you take, Ani, when you as is that obviously that was back at Hoopa and, and and then they dropped to Richardson, and you're like, whoa! But you know Richardson's good. Then Richardson loses in the quarterfinals in the region, so they don't get a chance to rematch. But then now they're down twenty points in the first half, and you're thinking, what? What were you thinking? I'm like, okay, are they just like they're gonna figure it out? Did you see what Coach saw that they were gonna get tired, or did you see something different? Uh, yeah, when they're up by 20, um, it was interesting. I thought maybe this could get really tricky because they haven't been down 20 before during yeah, the season. Yeah. Uh, so that was that was my question. Now, when I saw um, Atascacita kind of took their foot off the pedal because uh, they when, – when uh, Dunkley will make a mistake or they'll miss a shot or turnover, live ball turnover, they're getting down, they're getting open threes. Even though they're making contested threes, but they're in the rhythm. And when it got to 20, even though I think uh, Dunkville made a shot to get to like 18, you know, that's when they really slowed it down. When we talk about the second half of the, uh, the second quarter. And at that point, and especially when PV made the uh, the offense defense, us putting in the smaller guys out there to really like stop them from like holding the ball. Yeah. Um, excuse me. That's when you, I was like, oh, yeah, this, 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 you know, Dunkville's coming back. I thought when the Tascosita put their foot off the pedal, I thought that's when it got it got rough. And I and you know, like I said, Martinez had a great game plan, spacing them out, uh, really like exploiting just the mismatches, especially when they switch with the bigs, kind of guarding the guards. But when they stopped being aggressive, I thought they kind of played not to lose at a point, and then Duncanville mm-hmm. just kept coming and coming and coming, and that's when it got. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh- and the championship game, they 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 kind of rolled as you mentioned yeah. uh, early in the show. They they just kind of went through McKinney. Uh, in in McKinney's obviously a good team, but they 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 had no problems. And five A Beaumont United mm-hmm. repeated. Oh obviously, man, <laughs> they have a great team, and a lot happened there. Obviously, they beat they beat uh, you know they they got through Kimbo at rematch of last year's final on Ontario Morris, obviously the great McDonald's all American. They lost, but they had a lot of distractions on uh, Oh, we. we got, you know, it's like you hear about what happened and let me ask you this. So you're there at the stadium. Does now the insiders, you other scouts, people, they know who got in trouble, who had the gun that went off, but like, do people realize, okay, that kid is not in the lineup. It's had to be him. Or they're like, was everybody already talking about what happened? So the night before I uh, left to go to San Antonio, I yeah. get a call like at like 10 p.m. about it yeah. and who who whose gun it was and all that. Yeah. So then I look, I check on Twitter because you know yeah. Texas Twitter can be kind of wild, and uh, <laughs> everybody's talking about it. So like by the morning, you kind of knew some things. Obviously, like I wasn't talking to anybody at the Kimball Kimble staff because you know they're they're trying to get this situation. Yeah, and then, you know, trying to figure it out and figure out the game was going to be played. At some point, people were talking about the game may not be played. Uh, yeah. So all that going on, people knew who who it was and that he ninety nine percent sure wasn't going to play. But it hurt, 
you know, it hurt that he didn't play. Uh, you know, he's arguably like the second uh, the second best contributor uh, on, on the team to Arterio. And, uh, you know, you're missing a shot blocker, an athletic kid that just plays yeah. hard and can finish around the rim and just gives you just everything he has, every possession. That hurts. Uh, but, you know, Kimball was in position. They were up eight with three minutes left in the fourth. Arterio, Arterio Morris, you know, I think he had like nine or maybe it was 13 points in the first four minutes yeah. of the uh, fourth quarter. And uh, you didn't mm-hmm. didn't really get a touch at uh, for, for the rest of the game. So, yeah. you know, Kimball, without him was – Without the kid was really is very talented. You know, McDonald's All American and Arterio got uh, Clemson signee and Chauncey Gibson. They got yeah. some two twenty threes that are really good with the Cannon Wickware and T. John Brown. And uh, you, we thought they had Boma on the ropes. Uh, and at one point, I think it was fourteen two to start out the game. So mm-hmm. just you know, honestly, Kimball should have won, but Beaumont United Coach Green does a hell of a job with his boys and Terrence Arsenal, Wesley Yates, and. And Porsche, you know, those guys, they just they've been there before. They play like they've yeah. been there before and they knew how to finish the game. Yeah. Terrence Arsenal, obviously, last year led him to an undefeated season against Kimball. They hit the game tying shot and the game winning shot. So it's very interesting that they came back and won. They they had a great season. They didn't go undefeated again, but right. I, I, I see that everybody knows of Beaumont now. I like everybody knows like Kendrick Perkins from Beaumont Ozen, the school got united, right? Two schools close. So he, mm-hmm. he's on, but people don't really know like Beaumont's east near Louisiana. So I think yeah. people, more and more national people are starting to understand where they're from. So that that's great. I, I, I'm glad that they, something good came out of that. And yeah, you know, she, you, know you feel bad for the young lady who was a student. She was a student, right, Ani? And mm-hmm. then, right. Oh, it hits her leg. Like, <laughs> that's your chances of that happening or... <laughs> you know, and then people jump on. They're like, "Oh!" Then they try to make it like, "Oh, it's because an open carry state, and that wouldn't happen here. That doesn't happen in California." What? Like, it's just a yeah. random bad incident. Right. Like, it's just something Absolutely. that would happen anywhere. Like, it has nothing to do with any law or any anything, anything political. It's just a bad choice and a bad decision. And thank God she's not seriously hurt. And it, you know, maybe. Uh, you know, people are going to move on. But, yeah, that's not a good situation. But it's a great situation for those two teams. Uh, obviously, Coach Peavy uh, mentioned TCU. So that's the only, only uh, region we didn't talk about, guys, much. So let's let's just finish this out. And uh, we appreciate everybody staying on. We've been on almost for two hours. So we, we thank everybody. We thank our guests. But let's talk about the South. We kind of talked about the other three regions. TCU, first round against Seton Hall. Then they're going to get Arizona down in San Diego on Sunday. Uh, the thing that stands out to me, Ani, and we talked about this game on an earlier episode, is Tennessee beating Arizona in Tennessee. One of the weirdest games I've seen in a long time. Yeah, I talked to Arizona guys about it. So it's very funny that they beat Illinois in, in, in Champaign, and the Illinois and Tennessee are in their bracket. We talked a little bit about Michigan not having a chance. There's another Big Ten team, Ohio State, and Loyola Chicago. Uh, back back in the tournament, they had another great season. And then Villanova, we you always expect Villanova to be good. You expect right. them to have a chance at any time. But there were two C, but some people say, yeah, they're not as good as pass. They're good because Colin Gillespie got the COVID-19 year. So what's your take there, uh, Ani, with that region? And, uh, you know, can anybody challenge the Wildcats? Yeah, um, I think Tennessee. Tennessee is really uh, mm-hmm. flowing well right now. I have them uh, coming out. Uh, of the Midwest, uh, Arizona, they just, 
they're talented, but I do wonder when, when it gets down to the nitty gritty, you know, yeah. and adversity hits, how do they respond? Especially, you know, you talk about if you're in a second round or sweet 16 uh, situation, I do want to know what, what, what happens there, but Tennessee, you know, they, they're really peaking at the right time. Um, yeah, you know, one SEC tournament and uh, I have them coming out uh, and then plus my guy, Rob Clark's there. So, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I, I agree with that. I mean, you know, Tennessee just won the SEC tournament and I, they're just playing their best basketball right now in March. And that's really honestly what it's about. It doesn't really matter, you know, how you started the season and the ups and downs. Like if you can peak and be at your peak when it matters most, um, I can see them squeezing past Arizona. Um, it wouldn't surprise me, but I think Arizona um, comes out. So, okay. Yeah. So, me, you know, I'm with you guys here. I think it'd be Tennessee versus Arizona rematch. Boy, I I, I talked to Terry. He goes, I just, I just tell him, said Kennedy Chandler, Kennedy Chandler, Kennedy Chandler. <laughs> like I I need Kennedy again. You know, he's like I want that game again. They obviously they felt that they got kind of hosed there, and it's hard to win on the SEC in the road. Then your Arizona team comes in, and, and you know they're not going to catch a break, and and that's okay. But you know, does, is there any upset that can happen, or is it probably going to be? You know, those two teams, can any upset happen? I, You know, Coach PV yeah. likes TCU. No, I, I just mm. don't see any upset that, like, makes any sense. That Those two teams are too talented, I think, as you guys mentioned. Yeah. Yeah, I like Loyal Chicago. I think they make it to the second round, but that's about it. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, obviously, TCU, that, that has another uh, local connection. Charles O'Bannon, Jr. from Bishop Gorman, mm-hmm. Chelsea Vegas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Doing a good job, and. And, uh, you know, got some people that talk, reached out to me and said, man, that's going to be exciting. I'm glad. They're glad that the game's in San Diego, you know, that it, it, yeah, it's close by. Yeah, it's a t- attainable. They can get there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I guess the bottom line is that we, we're looking like it's going to be uh, t- Tennessee, Arizona, and then, you know, Auburn, you guys are saying something, just Kansas, um, you know, Baylor, K- Kentucky, and then most people think Gonzaga over Duke. So, it, it, even though we went through all, we broke this all that. It still seems like the the top seeds are are breaking through, except for Iowa. Iowa seems to be the wild card there in that Auburn region, and and that that would be very. I, I wouldn't mind seeing one team. I think there's going to be one bracket that a three to five comes out, but I'm just not sure exactly which one right now. Right. Fair. Yeah, it, it's very interesting, and you know, what wanted to mention is is Coach PV got on and talked about his team. As, as we wrap this up, uh, Ani, this is probably already out there now, um, you know, from when we started, the, the release of the Geico bra- bracket. Uh, as you're listening to this during the week, it would already be out. Uh, the field has been announced as of, uh, you know, when you listen to this. Sunrise comes in at Fat 50, number one. They're the top seed. Montverde, number three. The team that Duncanville beat is the three. Link Academy is the four in the rankings. They're also the fourth seed. IMG gets the number two seed uh, uh, on even though they have some losses, yeah, uh, they're number six in the Fab 50. Lalamere seven in the Fab 50. They're also seventh seed, and then uh, number eight Oak Hill's a five seed. I guess they like some of Oak Hill's big wins. They've obviously split with IMG. Then rounding out the, the eight field bracket, two more teams. Compass Prep is the sixth seed, and and then the eight seed is Prolific Prep. Ani, is that kind of what you expected? Uh, you know, obviously Prolific and and um, Prolific and Hillcrest added to those six teams that we've talked about all season. Yeah, no, that's uh sounds about right. I was wondering what those last two teams would be. Uh yeah. prolific have a good season. You said is it Compass or Hillcrest? 
it's it's compass prep. It's yeah. compass, yeah, compass, and they've they've had a really good season too. So that's a good field. That's a good field. Um, yeah, that's about what, what I thought. Yeah. And would you think Sunrise is the favorite going in, or do you just think kind of like the tournament is wide open? I don't see Sunrise. It's wide open. I think. Yeah, yeah, I think it's wide open. I I don't I don't yeah. it I mean Sunrise obviously number one seed. Yeah. Favorite, but man, not I not a big favorite. Yeah, no. not a big favorite. It's not like they're just, it's not like the Monverde team with like Kate Cunningham and all those guys. You mm-hmm. know? Stacked. <laughs> yeah. No, no. They they are not they're not the teams are not overly stacked, they're beatable. They're all could win. I mean, you probably think Prolific would have a tough time against Sunrise. Um you know, the 3-6 Monverde Compass, they've kind of built like a little rivalry last year. They they, they played with Ty Ty. You know, Ty Ty led them to some – you know, Ty Ty was really good last year for that team. Kind of put them on the map. And, mm-hmm. and obviously, Ty Ty's going to have to play good for Kentucky. You know, we're real quick. Let's talk about him. Uh, my, like, he has to play good. Everybody say, mm-hmm. oh, Kentucky fan, they got the best rebounder. Like, that kid has to really step up. Um, you know, what what's your take and, and – do you guys have any two or three breakout players from the tournament or any player that you think is necessary that has to play good? Um, you know, definitely Ty Ty Washington has to be um he has to he has to come up and play. Uh, obviously saw Veer Wheeler, the garbage is gonna be solid, he's gonna do what he does. But it, when Ty Ty is playing to his capabilities, I think he's um uh, I think he's he's really, really tough. Um trying to think uh i you know i really like the kid from boise state uh manual obviously i'm not saying boise mm-hmm. state makes a a deep run but like, yes. like a six eight point forward that uh that kind of can just you know if he's more assertive he can really impact the game in in, in different ways um man like even tcu mike miles uh you know he's like a he's one of those guys that people talk about you know does he make it to the uh it, does he declare for the draft does he uh, get drafted in nba he's one of those fringe guys uh for tcu like scene hall's gonna be a big time matchup with they have really good guard play too um so that uh Akat, uh mike miles um even like guys I, I guess i'm looking at guys that are like on that fringe that's why i was talking about peyton watson you know yeah. even like guys like christian coloco you know does he kind of have that breakout and they become like a no-brainer first round guy so like yeah. that's Kind of, those are the type of guys that I think have potential to really break out. Uh, Zach Eady, uh, Purdue, you know, um, <laughs> you know, just kind of going down. Well, you, you know, I have to put in my shameless Vegas plug. So, Julian Strother, Gonzaga yep. is going to have a breakout <laughs> yep. tournament. He really is. And I want everybody to pay attention. And he is Vegas and he's going to do great. I'm not saying Gonzaga is going to win because I don't really know if they're going to win, yeah. but I want to say Julian Strother. He's ready. He's coming. He's been he's been playing huge this season. So here yeah, we go. They need him to step up. Like you said, they most people don't think the team is as good as they were last year, but they add Chet Holmgren. They've obviously they obviously lost some pieces. But yeah, if Julian steps up, they have a chance. They're one of the few teams that have a chance to win straight six straight games. And Ani will talk more next week about that uh Geico Nationals field and, and the state championships invitational. Obviously, uh Auburn Washington looks like they're in. Um, you know, they're a team that that's going to get that nod, that brag. It's going to come out on Wednesday, right before the tournament starts. And, uh, you know, maybe Sidwell friends gets in Calvary Christian is going to be in. We know that. Yeah. So right. it, it, that's going to be very interesting. The week after the final four it might be a little bit of basketball hangover, but this is going to be an interesting two weeks. So I appreciate the audience and appreciate the listeners 
Uh, staying with us. This was a long pod. Thank you, uh, Chelsea. Thank you, Ani, for giving us your insight and your and, and your time. We're going to wrap up here. Just want to let people know. I know, Ani, you wanted the people to watch that YouTube version. We keep trying to grow that. People are listening to the audio version, so we, we thank you wherever you get your uh, podcast at. Make sure to t- tune into the other podcast, Kicks of Your Life, with uh, Jordan McLaughlin of the Minnesota Timberwolves, Noble and Roosh. Bring on some really great guests. Uh, buckets and breakdowns has some good break, some stuff. Uh, Chelsea, we're going to come back to you once we get more information about that women's drop. It happened on Friday the eleventh. There were some cool okay. things I saw online. I guess I talked to some of the I talked to some of the um, models or some of the people that put it on. They really like the fit and feel. So, girls, if you're listening, make sure you check out that at shop.ballslife.com. Uh, we get fifteen percent off if you listen to the Paint Show. The one-time discount code for that 15% off is P-A-I-N-T-1-5. That's P-A-I-N-T-1-5. We have, you know, shorts, backpacks, basketballs, mores. But for the girls, they have we have a special installment. It got released last Friday, so go check that out. But for Ronnie, uh, Chelsea, and Ani, I think we're ready to log off. Thank you for listening. And until next time, we're out of here. Yes. Thank you. Bye.